0: Oh, man the talk radio yes talk radio it's so boring man okay. mm-hmm. Tuesday, July 28th, 2020, I can't believe there's still hockey, it's no. uh, the Laced Up Hockey Podcast, well, and I'm James Cole. I mean, it,
1: it could be a long night, you never know, things could happen. Like, I, I'm not gonna sit here and say that by the time we release this podcast that things haven't all gone to hell, but... fucking good. But, like, currently, like guys are in Toronto fucking drinking Tim Hortons with their buddies uh, with masks on uh, outside Hotel X. Which you
0: know? uh, is not uh, uh, simply a placeholder. For that I,
1: hotel. I I can't believe it's a real fucking hotel. Yeah. Who like wh- wh- Who would feel comfortable staying at a hotel called Hotel X? I wouldn't. It's just it's just something like sinister about it. Hotels are naturally a very sinister place as it is, and something about a place called Hotel X kind of creeps me out. Even if it's like supposedly like a newer, nicer hotel. It still freaks me out. Something about it is creepier than the Royal York, which is the creepiest place I've probably ever stayed, and I've stayed at a lot of shitholes.
0: I I believe it's named because it is located at Exhibition Place. Oh, God. So they just called it Hotel Oh, God. Then
1: call it it Exhibition Hotel.
0: That also would make sense. Also
1: sounds like it would be a a hotel for, like, exhibitionists, I guess. Ooh. Uh, I'm Bruce Battaglia from the north side, uh, and we're in person.
0: We are face yeah. to face. Holy shit!
1: Yeah, wearing you, uh, our masks, of course. You shaved? I, I did. Something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, as if we haven't seen, seen each, each other, other or, or like even Zoom. just been on Zoom the whole time. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, I I, I I have a mustache now.
0: Nice. Yeah.
1: How's that going? Oh, it's I'm getting compliments, but not as many as I probably would be because people aren't noticing I have it till I take the mask off.
0: Have you, Nobody have
1: you, cared who I was till I took the mask. Have off. Have
0: you been confused at all for Austin Matthews yet?
1: Have I been confused? Yeah. Uh, have you seen me? Like I might, I might look like I'm from the same part of, like, walk of life. Y- you know what I mean? Yeah. Ethnicity, sure. But I don't Plus particularly look like Austin Matthews. He's six foot three He's and the big two thirty, and yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I could be pushing two thirty, but I'm not no. that tall.
0: No. Well, that, that's that's good. Yeah, no, it's it's nice to be back in the same room. You know, um, I hope the experience. Uh, didn't really differ for anybody in terms of our performance. See, here's the
1: thing, James, is if it did, they're not listening to this right now anyway. Like, they're just, they're gone. We lost them. It's over. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know, uh, we could put out, like, a like a trailer to say that we're back in-person recording. Maybe that was a factor. I don't know.
0: Could be. We could have. We still gotta do that live episode, apparently. <laughs> not live, but, like, I don't recorded think, I don't know that the... Video. What? Video, uh episode where, where the video epi- oh like yeah. the video feed yeah, yeah. yeah oh
1: yeah yeah well that's just i mean that's just like a thing that we're just going to keep pushing that's never going to happen it's like the community episode like that's not necessarily a thing that's ever going to exist but we're going to keep advertising week to week right soon the podcast will be available in video and we will have a community episode
0: the, the community episode never to be released
1: like, you know, like here's the thing is like you remember when uh When we came up with the idea for the episode, which I shit you not was probably in like November of last year, which it's hard to believe there was a time before uh, the pandemic. And so we came up with the idea for this episode. We came up with the idea for a third person to be that on that episode who was very down and actually was part of the idea for said episode. We've since recorded episodes with him, but at no point has he been available to do that specific episode. It just doesn't really make sense. I'm not going to name names.
0: No, yeah.
1: Um, Former guest of the podcast, Mike Wern. Hmm. And he has the audacity to text me the other day and be like, I'm driving back to tomorrow. Can you guys release whoa, the episode a day whoa, early?
0: Whoa, You know? I don't know. If you should be giving up people's uh, current locations. They're a sponsor uh, of the
1: show, James. <clears throat> Everyone knows where he is. Yeah. How many people do you think listen to this?
0: Most of I would imagine. Yeah,
1: well, we're the official
0: podcast. Yeah. I'm just
1: saying, like, he had the audacity to text me and be like, can you guys release this a day early? Like, as if we record these and edit in content based on time, mm. like, five days in advance or something like that. I don't know, like, if he thinks we have, like, August's episodes recorded yet. Like, it's a TV show where they just get together, they film for, like, a day. And then they just go their separate ways for a while, you know? Well, it's like he's been here, so... That's what I'm saying. He knows how the sausage is made. Yeah. How does he not understand?
0: Yeah. Huh.
1: Yeah, I and, and this is my way of ranting to Mike Wern instead of text, texting him that when he mentioned it. Uh, I'm just subtly calling him out on the podcast. Sub-tweeting on the pod... Sub-podcasting.
0: Don't... Don't... Don't you burn our only sponsor, my guy. Don't... <laughs> Don't kill the Enderdale train.
1: Yeah, the Cody Fraser campaign for city council was a former sponsor. Maybe they'll. Maybe they got deep yeah. pockets. We can get them back See,
0: again. When's the re-election tour for sure? Yeah. So the community episode, like, obviously, up in the air, yet to be released. Uh, one thing that has oh. been released. Uh, yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, that was pretty good. The uh, Seattle Kraken. The, yeah. the Kraken. They, good, they have been released. That was a good um, transition. They are. Uh, officially the NHL's 32nd franchise, um, set to begin play uh, next October, unless, of course, we all all die of a global pandemic mm-hmm. before then. Um, I really Another thing I think that's really
1: cool is that you haven't stopped joking about this the whole time. Like, you were joking about coronavirus in January, and you just, like, didn't stop, and you still haven't stopped, even as, like, the world sort of stopped. You still keep going on about this. Like, it's, like, funny, you know?
0: I'm not, I'm not going to lie.
1: Like, we joke about the bubonic plague now, but that's because yeah. things have developed and No, I'm No, I'm not going to lie.
0: It's, it's an extremely serious global catastrophe that I also happen to find hilarious. That's, that's all there is to it. Okay. I, I, the idea of, like, an entire advanced, you know, intelligent species just slowly killing itself um, because it couldn't, like, you know, just not eat bats for a week. Is It's kind of hilarious to me. And then continuing to not do certain measures to prevent the spread of said bat-eating disease in one Bat particular country disease. to the south is hilarious to me.
1: Yeah, so Seattle's going to be the Kraken. Um, it should be pretty good, I guess. I mean, like it, it was always the name for me. And I think my favorite part about this, and it was always my favorite part, the first time I heard... Uh, that the Kraken might be the name for the Seattle team, which was like I don't know, probably like 2015, maybe. Like because Greg Wachinski's been pushing this for like seven years, and so they like even before it was announced that they were getting a team, it was like if they ever get a team, it should be the Kraken. And my first thought was, I hope the official sponsor of the team is Kraken Dark Spice Rum,
0: and it is. They said they're going to be
1: like the official fucking sponsor of the team. Like two days later, like that's that's fucking great
0: that's just smart marketing the idea
1: that it's just gonna like be cracking ads all over the boards instead of like anything else in seattle i think that's really cool
0: it's like us in Airedale, you know we, we both you know cast our rods in the fishing industry
1: i should change the logo for the show so it's like orange and black like Airedale. <laughs> it'll kind of look like a halloween podcast sure. i guess we'll work but... on that for season three
0: yeah um so i uh, you 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 like the name uh um, i do i think it's awesome i i, do.
1: I, I, I you don't like it
0: no, I, I don't. I don't mind it. Oh, I um, it
1: Sorry, I just cut you off. I, I heard the tone and I reacted based on the tone because I was worried that.
0: Well, where, where I was going with this is that obviously, like, I've seen some arguments against the name, and such as what everyone. Well, the the big one is like, there's that sentiment that's kind of out there about the non-pluralized team names. With the Lightning, oh, the Wild, fucking, the Avalanche.
1: These people, you can't please these people, though. These are these are the same people who hate every jersey that ever gets released. They hate everything. These people just look for something to complain about. So what, there's no oh. S on the end of the name. Who, like, what difference does that make? The fucking, the Boston Red Sox have been around for fucking 110 years. No, everyone's dealing with that fine. Yeah. You know?
0: No. Well, I think we can all agree that Wild is a bad name. I
1: don't like it. I'm just saying. No. It, it, it just, it doesn't automatically make it a bad name because there's no, no S no, on the end. No, I, That's a thing. I like, agree. if people are going to sit here and tell me that the Tampa Bay Lightning is a stupid name for a team, it's a good yeah. name for a team, especially in Tampa Bay, known for thunderstorms. So it's like, you know.
0: I I, 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 I get the point. I don't, I, I like the name. Um, I'm just, I, I think it's one of those things where, like, they obviously preferred a different one of the options. And that's fine, too. Like, there's, like, I think as long as we avoided totem, uh, that we were mm. going to be fine regardless. Like yeah. I didn't, I didn't not like any some of the name options that were presented. Specifically,
1: it's... like just in in the current climate, like totems would have been the oh, weirdest. Yeah. That would, like, we would have been changing it like, again in like, like twelve months. I imagine right? that they would have had to fold. Well, I the team know. the team wouldn't have played a game, and they would have moved to like Quebec City or something before they ever played a game. It would have been like that big of a disaster. Sure, I don't know. Like the sock eyes would have been fine. Sounds okay. Like, Seattle, I think, was a little bit lucky because they had they had more options in play than, than Vegas did, I think. Like, you couldn't do the aces and all this stuff because they didn't want to be associated with gambling and you're bleeding. The,
0: uh... I, I hear what you're saying. Like, James there, is bleeding. There was definitely a few different options, but, um...
1: The evergreens, like yeah, I you know love, I, mean?
0: I love the evergreens. Those are all fine. Like, I'm, I'm
1: fine with all those, but it was like all the ones that came up for the Vegas team. It's like, well, what do you do? Well, it's uh, you know, like the aces or the blackjacks or the well, we don't want to do anything gambling centric, okay? So what else is in Vegas? Like the Vegas cactus. Right. What are you supposed to do? No, oh, that and, only ends that ends with an S, but you gotta, it's got to be cacti. I, I, so I don't know if that would have caused people this. to be pissed off.
0: But apparently, they did. Jerry Bruckheimer, the owners, you know, ownership group in Seattle, they reached out to the NHL and they. They wanted Metropolitans, and the NHL kind of came out and said, like, no, we have a division named after the Metropolitans, and and we're not really down to change it, despite like, Seattle getting permission from the New York Mets, yes. I've, and... I've
1: had enough, though, of these vague team names in sports, though. That's a thing, like, I, I want a name where it actually means something, like, the wild doesn't really, like, you know what I mean? Like, it sort of means something, it doesn't. We got teams named after Sox. We got the Mets that are short for Metropolitans. Like, I'm sick of these team names where it's just, like, a super vague term. And the Metropolitans is, like, kind of a vague term.
0: Interesting. Um, It's just weird. I don't don't know if it's weird. The
1: Capitals. Like, what's a capital? Well, they're the capital city. But there's not a, like, that's not a thing. Like, it's just a stupid name. The I Metropolitans is just stupid.
0: Like, I, I suppose. I, I think there's def, there's a, there's a fine line because you see there's why like, don't we
1: call them the Seattle Gentlemen?
0: Well, sure, but there's teams that go out there they go too stupid. far the other way, like the Thrashers. Like what the hell's a Thrasher? Oh, well, it's the wow. local bird. Okay, well, no one outside of Georgia is going to know that. Okay, so like, figure the fuck out Atlanta, and they didn't, and then now they've moved to their rightful home.
1: How much your sock guys? What it confused people though. Maybe totems. Maybe if you're stupid.
0: Probably. I, I don't know I, I like I just thought it was hilarious that the idea that the NHL said like no you can't name your team after our, one of our divisions yet baseball is out here with a baseball team named after one of its own oh. leagues
1: the 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 baseball is the worst like the ba- baseball has so many names which is, like the Nationals the Yankees like none of these things really mean anything like you know what I mean like Yankees a regional dialect Nationals is the capital city like it's just all this stuff where it's just like. These aren't mascots. Stop making these up like they're like they're a, like they're a cool mascot. None of these names mean anything. There's so many bad ones in baseball. It's insane.
0: I, I would disagree. It's partly, like, partly
1: why I like the Blue Jays. At least that's a definitive thing. It's a thing
0: for sure. I, I would disagree. To an, a concept. to an extent because like I think that those types of terms at one point meant something to the yeah. collective oh, consciousness and. You know, you name yourself after what's. Listen, you know,
1: at the time. I'm alive right now, so I can say people who were alive in the 1910s were stupid, as well as people who are alive 100 years from now are going to say that we're stupid because, like, you know, this pandemic could have been avoided in like sure. in a matter of four weeks, we could have got rid of it. And they're like, how come that lasted like three years? Well, because the the supposedly greatest country on earth is really stupid. You know what I mean? Like people are gonna make fun of us hundred years from now. I'm gonna make fun of them. These sure. are stupid names. All the names in baseball suck. They're all bad. If you like baseball, your team name's stupid. Me included. I'm a Red Sox fan. It's the dumbest fucking name ever. But
0: yeah, no, I I don't know. I all I'm saying is I, I think I think there's a place for these names that originate from what's going on at the time. Stupid. And it's the same. It's but it's the exact same thing with the Kraken. It's fucking Jerry Bruckheimer like made a movie about the fucking Kraken and he's like, you know what? I'm gonna name my sports team after what that movie. One day. Was that Parts of the Caribbean? He was, oh, yeah, like, I guess. He, he was very <laughs> responsible in bringing the Kraken to <laughs> the public eye. Oh, yeah. So, like... I never thought about that. We, we all knew what was going to happen as soon as he got oh, a team. Do it you was... think
1: they're going to have Captain Jack Sparrow walking around the rink as their mascot? No. Captain
0: Jack Spetta.
1: No. I don't they, know why they, Sean Connery is playing. They better not. Um, not. Sparrow.
0: So, yeah. I, the name is fine with me. I, I, I could give less of a shit about the name than most people do. Um, what I do like is the logo. The, well, the,
1: the, just, just my last point, like, with the name, is, like, it's just one of those things where everyone hates the, like, best case scenario, only half the people hate the name. Because when we first heard Golden Knights, we all thought it was stupid, right? Like, I wasn't one of those people, because I knew, two years from now, we're not going to care anymore. And guess what? The Vegas Golden Knights, it's a cool name. Cool logo. But at the time, a lot of people hated it.
0: Still hate it. I don't know. The name's, I don't, I don't, name's
1: going to be on the cup in a few weeks. I don't, I don't like most names.
0: But, okay. Um, most names. Most sports team names. Hmm. Um, they're, they're pretty much all dumb, like you like you said. I get so it. So would you they're rather them dumb. be
1: the Toronto Baseball Club instead of the Blue Jays? Sure. They could all just wear pennies for uniforms, too. It could just be like a fucking yeah. gym class. Yeah. Even when gym class, teams had names
0: sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Travis Shaw shows up. He forgot his at home, so he's got to wear the yellow one that day because they don't have an extra blue. It could be
1: like the... Toronto Ding Dong Cities till they trade Travis
0: Shaw and they gotta make,
1: a, make up a new one there should be like the most senior player on the team gets to make up the team name till they get traded so like for the Leafs it's Jason Spezza gets to come up with the team name which would still actually ironically just be the Toronto Hockey Club
0: yeah definitely yeah the logo love the logo that, that, that stylized vest with the, with the red eye and the you it's know. good
1: I'm not gonna complain too much but I feel like I feel like they should have merged the first and the second logo together like, there's that picture of that guy who got the tattoo on his arm, and he has both the first and the secondary logo together. It looks way cooler to me. So it's just like the anchor with the S kind of in the middle. Um, so, like, I don't know. Like, I find both like, logos by themselves are a little plain, but they're not bad. Like, they're they're cool. The colors are awesome, too. Like, I love the color scheme they picked. I love the jerseys they came up with. Um,
0: yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I, I don't know if it's an anchor. There's been reports that it's a fish hook. Oh yeah. Well, whatever. It, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is.
1: You know. <laughs> you know that, that not the most like you know that fish thing, hook though? that's going like, to catch the fucking
0: kraken. No, but like, isn't that the most NHL thing where they like this new team comes out and they release a logo that everyone's like, ah, nice, cool anchor. And then they go, uh, oh no, 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 it's uh, it's not an anchor. Are you sure? Because it really looks like an anchor. Like you guys nailed it with the anchor thing. Nah, it's a fish hook. Nah, that's kind of dumb. Yeah, you probably you, should have just made an anchor. You got to
1: remember, man. This is the same group of like of a fan base that it took people eighteen years to realize that the wild logo is actually a bear head, right? Yeah, that's fair. You got to remember that. Yeah. Hey, did, um, hey, did you notice that the predators logo is actually like a like a there's like a tooth in there? Anyone ever notice that? It's wow, mm, crazy. Yeah.
0: Uh, did you watch the the release, the announcement that they that they had with the little press conference there? No. And, you know, um. Wildly drawn out. Um, cool. But um, what I did, what I did think was kind of cool was that um, uh, I can't remember what his name is. He's the CEO of the team or whatever. Flywiki. Sure, yeah, him. Not, not the one we had. That not is, the it's other one, one. The brother. One, yeah. yeah, he uh, he came out and uh, all of the construction workers because uh, they made the announcement in the like half finished building. Uh, all of the construction workers are gonna get uh, uh, tickets to the first game, like for free uh, on, on the house. So the the men and women that helped build the arena. Are going to be uh, some of the first folks into the uh, building for the first game. I thought that was kind of was a cool uh, gesture.
1: Now, uh, is the team going to refund their money when the first game doesn't have fans in the building, or oh yeah, no, or, yeah. Sorry. or is it just going to be like the money that I have for or the tickets that I have for games that right. are going to exist? No, anymore? sorry,
0: I, I forgot to mention that the first game that fans are allowed back to is how. Oh, were, okay, okay. So they covered their cool. bases with that one. Cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure all of those people will still be living in Seattle in 2023. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Real quick, uh, because we've got a lot to get to today, but Seattle, they come in number 32. Is this it for expansion for the next little bit? Like, do you think we're, we're done with the expansion talk for 10 years? I mean, 15 years, or, or is there something down the pipeline that's going to make sense?
1: Here's the thing, James, is we're talking about a team that, or a league that, as of three years ago, couldn't support the 30 teams that they have right now, and they continue to add teams. So, like, I don't really know if they're concerned about... Um, filling buildings anymore because there's plenty of teams that don't do that. So, I don't really know. Like, I don't know. We might just keep adding fucking uh, teams to the league. What I will say is at least the on-ice product isn't going to suffer because the concern if you added teams probably 20 years ago, 30 years ago more so, was there are only so many good hockey players on the planet, right? Like, I remember remember hearing one time like a parent we used to coach like, made this argument where it was just like, well, there's only like, uh, 50 years ago there was only 100 good players on the planet and now there's only 100 good players on the planet and I'm like, well, I don't agree. Like, you know, the fifth, the 5,000th best player in the world right now would probably be one of the best players in the 80s. You know what I mean? But, like, so what I'm saying is, is as the sport continues to get better in more amateur leagues and stuff like that, you're going to be able to find more players to put into the league now. So if they want to expand to 34, 36, 40 teams, the product isn't going to get saturated, but I don't know how much money you're going to make. Because at some point, the more teams you add, you're going to start losing money in a way. Yeah. Right?
0: Well, it's one of those things where I, I think where I look at it is we all saw what happened with Vegas. They come in, they have the, the amazing first season, they've been competitive right out of the gate every season since. If Seattle can kind of duplicate that to a degree where, you know, they don't come out and they're not the Columbus Blue Jackets of 2000, uh, as long as Seattle can kind of be like, even in the even in the hunt for a playoff spot, right, I think it's, it's tough. For the NHL to say, uh, "Oh, hey, this guy that has eight hundred million dollars wants to put a team in Houston," yeah, and You're not gonna uh, take everyone it. goes, "Whoa, we are not going to take his eight hundred million?" Dollars. Teams yeah. after we just lost all this money from a pandemic, yeah. so
1: I mean, like, here is here is where we're fortunate, right? Is like Vegas people were on the fence as to whether or not that's going to work. I, I really, I really believe that once that team goes through a bit of a rough patch at some point, they're still going to pack that building. Like, I just don't see any way that that fan base is really going to die off to the point where they're not at least, like, 85% or more. They're not going to end up like the Florida Panthers, I don't think, is what I'm saying. Seattle, I don't see that happening for a magnitude of reasons. So, it depends where you put the team. As long as they keep putting teams in markets that can support these teams, then sure. And I think Houston is, like you said, like, I think Houston makes sense because there's actually people who live there. Whereas opposed to, uh, you know, there are a few teams we have in the NHL right now. Nobody lives in the places where these teams are. Nobody lives yeah. in Sunrise, Florida. It's a made-up fucking fairy tale city. Yeah. Except fairy tales have, you know, Vegas, happy imagery instead of a, a depressing. Swamp. Vegas
0: is tricky though because, like, <clears throat> I'll be curious to see what happens when the NFL shows up. Whenever the NFL shows up again, yeah. because that's I think that was supposed to be this fall, right? They were supposed to start playing their games in Vegas as the Raiders. Yeah, this fall or next. It doesn't right. really matter. Yeah. So uh, that, that's, that's one where you've got a city that doesn't have any other options and you're bringing in another option. Whereas, like, Seattle, you already have yeah. other options and then you're just adding hockey. So it's like the hockey fans are going to go there. Houston, the hockey fans are going to go there. They already have their baseball. They already have their football. Vegas is interesting. Like, I'll be curious to see if there's, like, maybe a, you know, a, not a jumping of the ship, but just a... I'd rather go see the NFL sure. game this week if I'm going to spend money, kind of thing.
1: But the, but the point I'll make is that a lot of Vegas's, uh, like, a lot of the people in the building are season ticket holders. And the reason I don't think those season ticket holders go away is because those season ticket holders have a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like, there's, for every Daniel Negreanu, there's another Daniel Negreanu. Like, there's there's all these guys that have money that are going to keep going to these games. Now, Daniel is a different point because he's... A genuine fan like will go to all of the games he can go to because he actually likes the sport but like you've also got like rob gronkowski who has season tickets there because he's actually a minority shareholder in the team he doesn't go to 41 games a year and nor will he be able to once he's playing in the nfl uh presumably this fall
0: Maybe he can go to the... uh,
1: Presuming there's an NFL and presuming Rob Gronkowski can still play football.
0: Maybe he'll go to the game when he's playing against the Vegas football team in in Vegas. Yeah,
1: that'd be cool. But I just, I think that there's a lot of support in that building where if Gronk's not going, he's going to fill that seat anyway. You know what I mean? Like, they're not going to lose money because so much of their tickets are season ticket holders. And they're season ticket holders with money that benefit from having those seats. Right yeah. because it's a different situation in Winnipeg where like your season ticket holders are just genuine fans of the team that want to go to these games if they can't afford the season tickets anymore and they're giving so many away they're not going to renew their season tickets because they can't afford it whereas Vegas there's so many people that have season tickets that are just for lack of a better term absolutely loaded and are just going to keep those seats because of like it helps them keep a socialite status to a degree too
0: yeah. Oh, we'll see. Like I guess I, I, I'm curious to see the dynamic there because this is the first example where hockey was the you know the first sport through the door, and uh, interesting to see where that goes next. Um, Houston question is interesting to me because I think if I was to pick the next market for expansion, it would be Houston, but it also could be served as like what Calgary did, where it was a relocation fallback. Um, a city that has an arena that was, you know, AHL quality, similar to, you know, how the MTS was set up in, in Winnipeg and uh, could easily um, take on a team, you know, in the next couple of months if they had to. Um, and uh, one team that's been linked to that is the uh, Arizona Coyotes, uh, who uh, recently uh, parted ways with general manager John Cheka. Um, or John Jacob parted ways with Arizona. There's there's some confusion in the air uh, with this one. Both sides kind of coming out, making some accusations at the other. Um, one side
1: much more bitter than the other? Well, yeah. Well, in, publicly, in their statement, anyway. Probably, yeah, yeah,
0: for sure. I've um, never read
1: anything like that in my entire life. That was the craziest thing I've honestly ever read, that a sports team ever released. That's insane. I to, to come straight from the team, that was fucked.
0: I didn't read the piece myself.
1: Uh, it's ba- literally the Arizona Coyotes. I, I don't know if this is verbatim, but this is essentially what they said. They basically just over and over said that John Chaka made promises to the team and didn't follow through. He's a liar and a quitter. Hmm. I, they definitely used the word quitter several times, which is a dirty word in hockey. If you're saying someone's a quitter, you must be pretty fucking pissed at them. Sure. And I don't remember if they publicly called him a liar, but they insinuated that he lied to them. About multiple things, right? And then John Chaka released a statement. And he's like, "I want to thank the Arizona Coyotes for giving me the best time of my life. I had a kid and all this stuff, and like, I loved it there. This is great, and I'm leaving, and I wish them nothing but success." And it's like, "Yeah, that's the way you should be on your way out the door, regardless of how the, you know, how the the, the departure went." The the insinuation sounds like John Chaka terminated his contract. It doesn't sound like it went the other way, right? Based on what like Elliot Friedman and everything's saying, um, so. My understanding as to what happened, at least this is the, the most credible thing going around right now, is that John Chaka was supposedly approached about a different job offer, not necessarily within the sport of hockey uh, at the NHL level. That would have meant he was going to be part of an ownership group that was going to be involved in other leagues with other teams and basically was just going to be elevated from a general manager to an owner to a degree. And so, obviously, this is a very big job opportunity for John Chaka, And he wanted to take it, and the Coyotes were more or less a little bitter about that. And, thank you. And um, the relationship just sort of fell apart based on that discussion. He was not a part of the recent efforts, uh, recent efforts to re-sign Taylor Hall. He was a part of the initial discussions, but hasn't been involved over the past few weeks, apparently. And they've sort of just cut him out of the loop because of this now I'm sure there's two sides to every story but here's where I kind of come down with this I have been in the very very small minority of massive defenders of the Arizona Coyotes I always have I've always wanted this to work uh because I I think when they're winning they actually have a fan base whereas I would debate that with Florida um, I think the Coyotes can pack a building playoff time. They've, they've had these great league moments. And I think that there, there is something there in Arizona uh, if things are done properly. But time and time again, this organization has, has proven some level of incompetence, maybe not on a massive scale. But I'm sort of just getting sick of this over and over again. Like every time things seem good in Arizona, got something happens. And it just always looks bad. And I don't understand how this just continues to happen because if it's not the ownership, it's the management. If it's not the management, it's the players. Like it's always something with this team. And I'm I'm sorta getting sick of constantly defending them. And the amazing part is I'm not even specifically talking about one person. Whereas like when when you say this with Ottawa, you know, I'm talking about Eugene Melnick being incompetent. In Arizona, they've had different owners, one of which was the NHL. They've had different general managers, many of which are good, many of which are not. Uh, They've had a bunch of different head coaches, again, a lot of which are good, a lot of which are not, but this is just one of those teams where it's just like, no matter who's there, they seem to mildly fuck everything up, and I am not a big uh, anti-John Chayka guy, I was one of those guys that kind of felt like there was more coming there, but... I'm not going to sit here and say that he did an impeccable job, but I think the firing is incredibly premature. Is all.
0: If it was a firing,
1: whatever it is, right? What I, whatever. All I'm saying is this is not a good departure for them, and I don't. I don't really know what to make of Steve Sullivan. I, I, I just think it's funny that again, it's a you know, a former player and a, you know, like a guy who's been connected and in these front offices, and now he's getting another job and. Um, again, it just looks a little funny. Not that they have any, like, he's their guy, but it's just, you know, I don't know. There's just a lot of optics to this that, for me, this looks horrible on the Coyotes' end of it, and specifically that statement, but it's all these other things that have compiled over the years for me that it's just like, I don't really know what to say about this team anymore, and I'm starting to get less and less optimistic that they have a long-term future in Arizona.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting, like, just to touch on Sullivan, like, he's He's been with the club for about five years now. Um, it's an intern tag that they've they've given him, and there's been a lot of talk about Peter Shirelli being linked to the uh, GM job in Arizona when it comes time to, you know, maybe fill oh, this position on oh, a oh, full time basis. But
1: you gotta you gotta appreciate the wording, James. The wording was not that uh, that the Coyotes are looking at Peter Shirelli. The wording is that there are people. At the NHL that are looking to get Peter Shirelli another opportunity because they felt he got the short end of the stick in Edmonton. That was the wording. It's it sounds like there's like Bill Daly and fucking Gary Bettman are like making calls being like, hey, do you guys like do you guys want to fire your general manager? Because Peter Shirelli needs work. Like who how like what's this guy doing? Like how how many how many dinner parties is this guy hosting? How many fucking guys is he blowing off to get all these jobs? Like I don't understand this. Who the fuck is Peter Chiarelli to get these jobs? I don't fucking understand it.
0: it I, I don't know. It, it's it's interesting. I, I did see that um, worded about how the NHL, you know, has, has kind of put the bug in the ear, so to speak, of of you know the Coyotes' uh, ownership, the and, and 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 let's not get ourselves here, like. You know, Gary Bettman's making the phone call. You hey, uh, remember that time I saved your franchise and kept you guys afloat when I, uh, you know, uh, essentially ran the team for three years there. Uh, you know, do me a favor, hire my buddy Peter here. But I don't know. Like, I, I, I think, I think Steve Sullivan, he's, he's, well enough versed in 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 the, the structure of the team. He's been doing the job long enough. Like whatever if he's an intern guy i'm sure it's gonna be fine we're talking about a couple months of uh playoff hockey where what's the general manager gonna do he, he can't call anybody up yeah. he can't trade anybody it's yeah. it's just a he's gonna try to maybe re-sign some guys throughout this
1: and, and not to steer the conversation too far in another direction but like these are also the same people who are like freaking out about steve sullivan getting the job that also seem to think that the coyotes have like a bloated payroll so, so which is it? Is he going to fuck up a good roster? Or or is he going to not do anything with a bad roster? Like, I don't understand what people are worried about, because if the team has such a bloated payroll, then what is there to fuck up? If Chaka did such a good job, or such a bad job, why are you worried about what Sullivan's going to do? There's nothing to fuck up, then, if it's a, such a bad roster. Like, I just don't get it. Like, people are on completely different sides of that argument. It doesn't make any sense to me. I think this is a good team, and I'm skeptical of what Sullivan would do long term but you're right if he's only there a few months then what does it matter
0: yeah so obviously there's some some stories that are going to come out as this moves along about what this all means about John Chaka a lot of this seemed to have to do with him leaving for a greener pasture so to speak in a different league is how it was worded so this isn't a hockey job and if it is a hockey job he's I don't know where you go up from GM of the NHL, so... Well, that's
1: what I explained earlier, right? Like, it, it's just... It sounded like it was an ownership opportunity, so it's it's very clearly a, a, a better opportunity, regardless of what it is. If he's involved in an ownership group, it's a lot more of an opportunity than what he's doing right now. Um... But you're right, like, depending on what league and and to what degree he would be involved in, what ownership, it's hard to say. Honestly, the way it it sort of sounded was, like, he might be, like, helping run some sort of a league. Yeah. Like, he might be. And, and I mean, like, again, we're talking about this overhaul that, a few weeks ago, this overhaul that kind of needs to happen with junior junior hockey. Like, if he's going to be part of, like, a major group that's being overhauled in the OHL or something like that. Yeah, he should take that job for a lot of different reasons. Right. Not just maybe money and opportunity, but honestly for moral reasons.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, like, and that's part of it. Like, I, I go back to this, I don't i do not like to, I don't want to pick sides until we have all the facts. But, you know, it was stated that permission was asked, permission was given for, for John Cheka to kind of reach out and, and look at these different opportunities. And the Coyotes weren't happy with the title, and they wanted it in writing that well, he wasn't going to be leaving to be a GM somewhere else because he's our GM. I mean, there was
1: also the report that he got offered a general manager job with another team in the mm-hmm. NHL, and no one's ever confirmed what team. <coughs> it would Devils. Be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but well, I, I, I don't. Know. I, mean, I mean, that would make perfect sense. But
0: another a, another weird chapter in in Arizona's history, like you said, like I I, I like I like what this team has on paper. I like the fans when they're there I I, I'm I'm one of those guys that like I can understand why people don't show up to you know games when the team's bad but I also kind of just it it annoys me when it's like oh yeah hey we're good this one year so the building's full for two months
1: yeah I mean another issue with Arizona and it's it's just something that that has plagued them uh just because they don't have as many fans as the Ottawa Senators, but they have the same issue that the Panthers and the Senators have, where it's a drive to get to the rink, mm-hmm. right? And the problem is that there's there's almost not an issue with the fact of it being a, a, such a distance. It's that they keep moving the fucking team, yeah. like, every five to nine years. So any fans of the team that get into this rhythm where it's like, every Saturday we go out, the games are only, like, 30 bucks or whatever to get into, so we go out, we make a day of it if you have money, that's great. And then, five years later, the team moves a fucking hour and a half down the road, and it's like, well, now it's not feasible for us to go to these games quite as often. It's just hard for them to get into a rhythm, because like, I know here in Thunder Bay, it's not like we have a lot of options, and it's not like it's a big city, but like when the Thunder Wolves are in town on a Friday night, it's really easy to just do the same thing every Friday night. You get off work, you grab something to eat, you go to the game, right? It's impossible for these families to get into a routine if they have to drive an hour and a half for a seven o'clock fucking game. And they get off work at at five o'clock. Like yeah. it's just not going to happen. So th- the idea of this building getting consistently packed was doomed from the start because the building changes all the time.
0: Yeah, and and like that was one of the things when they changed from Phoenix to Arizona that I kind of chuckled about because it was like, you know, no one really knew where the next stadium was going to be. So instead of calling us Phoenix, we're going to make it Arizona. And all I could think of was, okay, what's next? In a couple of years, we're gonna call them the Southwest Coyotes, and we're gonna have one home game in Albuquerque, and a yeah. home game in Tucson, and yeah. a home game in Houston. And like, like at what point is it just time to say it's not working? Let's try something else with a permanent structure, with a you know dedicated ownership group that's gonna keep them in one building for twenty years.
1: It's kind of like fucking like Batman, man. Like it, you're 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 watching this team, and it's like, where does this team play? Well, Arizona. Well, what's it, where's Arizona? Well, it's like, well, it's a vague term. It's the same thing in Batman. It's like, yeah. well, what's Gotham? Yeah. Gotham's a made-up is that new York city. New York City? Is it New well, York yeah, City? It's but like, no. well, it is, but it's like a vague term. Like we can film one movie in Chicago and it looks the same, and we'll just call it Gotham. They could just do whatever they want. Like, you know, it's not a movie. You can't just film it in different locations every five years.
0: Oh, that's, uh, that's two Batman references uh, in the episode uh, so far, and we're only uh, forty minutes in. That's that's uh, there will be more. Might be a new record. Um, no, because uh, I used to
1: do the Bane impression
0: all the time. We, we there's.
1: Yeah. I, I would say movie references, the Dark Knight is, is up there. Like, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, that's up there for, for what we've referenced. Well, more than likely, for sure. Um, we should be keeping track of movie references. For statistical purposes. <laughs> yeah. For analytics. For the, like the next quiz. For right? John Chaka's yeah.
0: analytics. Um. Some, some interesting news out of Philadelphia Oscar Lindblom has been extended uh, Lindblom of course uh, went through a uh, cancer treatment for most of the season missed a lot of time um, he was set to be an RFA I believe yeah. and uh, he received a, a three year deal worth nine million dollars total um, the timing is interesting for a couple of reasons Primarily because, like I said, he missed most of the year. He was having a good season, you know, the bit he played uh, in October, November. But for a guy that hasn't really played hockey for six months, seven months, you know, to give him that kind of a commitment, I thought was interesting. Like, he's either got one hell of an agent or the Philadelphia Flyers really think they have something special with him. And the other reason I, I think it's interesting is because I, I kind of touched on this, I think, last episode, and it was up in the air, but uh, Oscar Lindblom was added to the Flyers' return-to-play roster. So there's this idea that he might be suiting up come playoff time. Obviously, the Flyers have this bye uh, where uh, you know, they don't have to play in the play-in rounds, so they've got a, you know an extra week, week and a half to uh, kind of prepare and get up to speed. Uh, and he might be, he might be there. Like I don't know, it's kind of crazy to think this guy might, you know, play hockey that soon. Um, but it's looking like a reality. What, what did you think about the extension?
1: I like it. I mean, you know, I, I, when I first saw it, I was a little bit skeptical that you want to sign a guy like this for three years. But conceivably, like what the Flyers seem to think they have in Lindblom is comparable to what the Leafs think or thought they had in Andreas Janssen. Like honestly, Lindblom has better analytics numbers. A little bit not as good offensive numbers but like analytically he seems to be the better player so you know this is a cheaper deal than what the Leafs got for Janssen based on term because the right. Leafs signed Janssen for four years I believe at three mil yeah um so it's comparable to that when you, if you use it as a comparable it's, it's honestly a great deal because um I like Janssen a lot I think he's got a lot to give but I I would probably rather have Lindblom um, not by much, but I'd probably rather have him. The only concern, obviously, is health, but that doesn't really affect your cap. Um, no. You know what I mean? Like if, if he gets IR, if he gets yeah. sick, you just yeah. put him on long term. So, um, I think what it is is a good hockey move. I think it's a good deal, and I think what it is is an even better deal by the Flyers front office um, to reward a guy who's probably not to speak for him had the worst year of his life. Um, so I think it's.
0: I think it's very admirable as well as a good hockey move. 17 goals as a rookie last year. He had 11 through 30 games this year. Um, 18 points in 30 games too. Like, yeah. Good like, good he, production. He can, he's, he's an offensive threat uh, uh, pretty much every time he's out there. Um, One
1: thing I like about him too is like even even from a young age, like he wasn't a high pick, but he had like really good offensive numbers on uh, in an international stage like pretty much every year, like a point or more per game. Every year he was in the World Juniors and and the under 18s and stuff like that, despite being a low pick. Yeah. So this is a guy who has kind of developed his game beyond just the offensive and um, has developed himself into a little bit of a two way forward. And I, I, I like it. I think I think he's got a lot to give.
0: Yeah, a very very smart move by the Flyers. I think in my you know if if I was to say you know who would rather have like you said Janssen Lindblom it'd be Lindblom for myself. Uh, the the health thing is 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 honestly the only concern and and there's there's no cap risk like you said so there's there's really no downside to this deal um, I I just I kind of figured he would be a guy that would you know maybe garner you know some sort of one year deal a uh, show me deal for his sake for Lindblom's sake because this is a guy where I could see him going into the next year if he's fully healthy he puts a big big year and mm. the only reason that he's missing out on a You know, maybe a bigger paycheck is because of of what happened with him. You know, off the ice, Uh, he might be leaving some money on the table. Is all I'm thinking.
1: He he could be, but this is one of those things. If he signs a show me deal and he gets sick again, I don't know if he ever comes back. So if he signs a a one year three million dollar deal, like he might be making, let's be honest, like two and a bit, and then walking away from the NHL forever because of health reasons. Like this is just something. At least this is. $9 Nine million dollars of security. Where if something were to happen, sure, he's got this to fall back on at least, right? Yeah, no, definitely. Like uh, he's not even close to a pension or anything like that, right? Yeah. So
0: it's it's you know two sides to every coin, kind of thing. Yeah, I guess. Um, you're I, not wrong either. I, but. I think there's big things for him moving forward, and I, you know what? Like the Flyers, they finished fourth in the East without him, pretty much, and yeah. you're going to slot this guy in, and if he can, if he can be a player. In this playoff coming up, I—I I don't know. The Flyers, I think, become—they go from dark horse the flyers to scare me a little contender bit. real yeah. quick. I think we're going to get to some playoff talk in a bit, but before we do, uh, just a bit of housekeeping. We talked last week about uh, the uh, nominees for <laughs> all of the awards except oh, for the Hart no. Trophy because uh, I forgot um, this was on. It here. was announced the day we recorded, oh, so we didn't get it. a chance to discuss it. I believe I kind of hinted at when we got to the uh, Ted Lindsay Award that uh, it would just be the same three guys, and sure enough, uh, it is the same three guys for the Hart Trophy. Your finalists are Leon Dreisettle from the Edmonton Oilers, Nathan McKinnon from the Colorado Avalanche, and Artemi Panarin from the New York Rangers. Uh, let's, let's start real simple. Let's get this out of the way. Um, which of these three guys do you think deserves it?
1: Deserves a heart? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like... I mean, like, here's the thing. Like, none of them. I don't think any of them well, deserve the finals, it. Though, it. It's, this, it's this fucking... So, but like, the, that's what I'm saying. Like, don't it's don't just like... Matter, right? Like, I don't... Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I think I had Panarin ahead of McKinnon on my b- ballot. It doesn't really matter, though. Like, it was one of those ballots where it was, like, one, and then I'll pick four other good names. I don't fucking know. Like, I, I guess Panarin. Um, because the Rangers started the year pretty weak. And Panarin absolutely caught fire. And so did the Rangers. Whereas, like, the Avalanche have, for sure, a deeper roster than the Rangers. Albeit everyone was hurt, but, like, I I, like, I don't know. Does, McK- does McKinnon deserve a reward for staying healthy? Like, I, I don't really know. But I think McKinnon's a fine choice, too. He's obviously very valuable to that team. I'm just saying, like, I think the Avalanche are still a really good team without him. Just not as
0: good. Sure. But
1: I think the Rangers, without Panarin, are, are lost. Yeah. Completely.
0: I um I hate to be that that guy because we've seen it with like Drew Doughty and Harry Carlson and you know the Norris Trophy primarily, but I I almost want to give this one to McKinnon because I'm I'm worried that when we've got healthy Connor McDavid every year, you know is is Nathan McKinnon ever going to get his Hart Trophy? You know the the Dale Howarchuk situation where he never gets one because Gretzky and Lemieux are playing in the same uh, you know era. Um, it's an
1: interesting argument though because like. I would argue that Nathan McKinnon is maybe not a generational talent, but he's very close. Definitely. Like, he's very close. Yeah. I would not argue Artemi Panarin is. And so, could the bottom fall out on Panarin conceivably? Maybe. Like, he's an undrafted forward who's been in the league for four years, and I think he's really fucking good. Like, he might be the best winger in hockey. But I don't know if he's ever going to get a crack either. Because, and another thing is, too, as n- I'm not saying the Avalanche don't have this, but the Rangers have a ton of good prospects where it's like that team might be insanely good in a few years where Panarin is maybe not getting nominated for the heart because it's like the Boston Bruins with Pasternak, right? It's like, well, yeah, sure, he's their best player, but it's like they also have all these other guys. Like the Rangers might get to that status too. So I hear your argument, like, is McKinnon ever going to win it? I Like, McKinnon's been in the conversation for a few years. I don't know if he's ever really going to get out of it because I think it's going to be one of those things... The people don't seem to realize how good the Avalanche are, and I think that every year it's just going to be like, well, it's McKinnon and no one else, because I'm, I'm starting to think no one really watches their games, but they have, like, one of the better D groups in the league. and Right. Uh, like, they do have good goaltending and a yeah. good coach, and, like, they got everything. They're, they're fine.
0: Uh, interestingly to note, uh, if, if Panarin w- w- was to win it, uh, it would mark only the second time in NHL history where uh, uh, wingers uh, took home the heart in three straight seasons. Obviously, not a lot of love going uh, to those uh, those types of guys, but you know, uh, definitely a big big part of their team. And, and the, the days of you know your centerman being the prototypical heart Trophy winner maybe starting to shift. It'd be nice to see you know a few more defensemen win it, um, and uh, goaltenders for sure, uh, because the guy that should be winning the heart Trophy. Uh, wasn't a finalist in my opinion. Uh, Connor Hellebuck, uh, not a finalist for the Hart Trophy. Uh, in my opinion, this this guy was clear-cut head and shoulders the Hart Trophy winner. Um, and if he wasn't the winner, he he should definitely be on this you know finalist ballot. Um, is is he the big snub? Did you have somebody else that was kind of hanging around that that should have been there that wasn't Hellebuck? Uh, maybe. Uh, Uh, Some sort of dark horse in in, in your books?
1: It's just like, it's sort of weird for me when the reason Dreisaitl kind of gets nominated for this award is sort of the same reason that, like, if we're going to nominate Dreisaitl, then we probably could have nominated, like, a few of the Jets forwards because we're kind of arguing that the reason for the team's success was not their goaltending by not nominating Hellebuck. Like, the Oilers were a worse possession team than the Jets, and that is fucking insane When if you watch the Jets. But, like, the Jets give up more high-danger scoring chances. So that, for me, is the stat where it's like, well, so most of the reason they won the games they did was because of Hellebuck. Because when Shifley leaves the ice there, and even when Shifley's on the ice some nights, they're not great with the puck. It's the same thing with the Oilers. Like, you look at their possession numbers, and it's like, Dreisaitl is not a good possession player because he plays too much and because uh, he doesn't play defense. And so it's like, does like is the idea of him playing balls to the wall offense that valuable to the team, or is it actually going to be a deterrent at some point? So far this year, I guess so far, it's a good thing. But like, I I think to me, Hellebuck's way more valuable to the Jets than Dreisaitl is to the Oilers. So to me, I don't I don't think Dreisaitl stands. shot in hell in the award but he also shouldn't be there to begin with so it's like maybe he's gonna win i don't know i I honestly i think uh i think a lot of the people who vote for this award because they're in the professional hockey writers association and only watch one team kind of just see what they see on the highlight reel every night I, i know for a fact these people don't uh watch all the games nor nor do i but a lot of them don't seem to really pay attention to any underlying numbers either. They just kind of look, and it's like, well, this guy led the league in scoring, so he must be pretty damn good. Sure. Yeah, he is really good. Like, he's yeah. he's really good. No one's saying he's not. But he got drafted on the basis that he is an incredible defensive talent, and he is literally the worst defensive forward in the league.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, like...
1: I mean, maybe not the worst, because he does produce offense. Yeah. So it offsets a little bit.
0: But. I, I, I go back and forth on that, like... This, this is an award that Alex Ovechkin won three times, and I don't think anyone's going to stand up here and, and, you know, hoot and holler about Alex Ovechkin's defensive prowess. Yeah, and, and so.
1: like, I understand what you're saying, too. Like, I would sit here and argue that, obviously, at, at least at the time when he won the Hart Trophy, that the Caps were fucked without Ovechkin, for sure. I don't necessarily feel that way with the Oilers, but, like, I also know that their depth is just insanely bad. So without Dreisaitl, I like it might be pretty bad. I, I don't yeah. know. Luckily, we've really never had to see them without Dreisaitl for like an extended period of time. So he might actually be that valuable to that team. I don't know, but again, it's he's supposed to be their their unreal two way center, and he is not.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's another one of those things like we lost out on the last 10, 12 games of the season because of COVID. You know, maybe maybe that pushes Hellebuck you know, further into the conversation. Maybe that pushes Dreisaitl further into the conversation. Oh, for sure. Like, like uh, at, at the time that the season ended, he, like, only Nikita Kucherov last year had more points in the last 10 years for a Hart Trophy winner. Like, Dreisaitl was having a, a fantastic oh, offensive well. season. So, if he gets to 120, you know, all of a sudden it's really hard no, to I say, that, like, yeah. he's he's not worth uh, a look there. Yeah, I mean, there's
1: there's a... There's a- fair chance that he could have put up more points than Kucherov did last year. Exactly. Right? Like, the, the way, it, like, scoring's up, clearly. And that, to me, is another small reason why Hellebuck, for sure, what he did this year, put up the numbers that he did in the games that he did for the team that he did, uh, that is so impressive. Because what Hellebuck did this year, to me, is the equivalent of, like, a 935 season a few years ago. Like, what he did is fucking nuts. Yeah. However, um, what I'm saying is that with 11 games remaining, like it's not out of the realm of possibility that Leon Draisaitl would have put up twenty more points in those eleven games because there are nights where he would just get six points out of nowhere against a, like a, a good Avalanche team, put up like five six points and it's like holy fuck this guy's awesome
0: definitely and and that's it goes both ways right like Hellebuck comes out he has a couple games where he gets shelled down the stretch yeah you know and and all of a sudden his case goes out the window so I mean the
1: Jets had most of their games remaining on the road yeah right. So.
0: It's hard to say. Like I, at the end of the day, I think Hellebuck deserves at least, you know, that spot in the top three. But I, I definitely think it's a it's a deep race. Like I'm not I'm not taking anything away from any no, of these guys. You're right, you guys. Like know. I think there's these four, and then it's the same
1: argument that I made for. Sorry to cut you off. Like it, it, it's the same argument that I made for Mike Sullivan for the Jack Adams Trophy. Like there are a lot of good candidates. All I'm saying is that Mike Sullivan had, to me, the most impressive year I can remember a coach having in a very long time. Sure. It's the same thing with Hellebuck. Like, I'm, I'm like, Carey Price, I guess, in 2014, but before that, like, I can't really think of a goalie that was, like, that clear of a heart. Like, Ryan Miller, 2011, it just doesn't happen that often, is all I'm saying, right? Like, you know?
0: Yeah. Um. So, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who, who comes with that. If I had to pick between the three, I think I would go with McKinnon, but Mm-hmm. Uh, you like Panarin? I'd
1: be very happy with McKinnon or Panarin. Sure. I'm, I'm gonna... I'm gonna scoff and probably, uh... Uh, n- never take the heart seriously again if Drysaddle wins it, to be quite honest with you, because it's been multiple years in a row where I think the heart winner is just hilarious to me, but... Fair. I already have an award for the best player in the league. The fucking players vote on it, and it's called the Ted Lindsey Award. Yeah. Like, that's what that's for. Yeah. Um... By the way, the best player in the league is fucking Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby, but
0: I think you can make the argument for uh, Nathan McKinnon on some nights. But yeah, I, I'm a big fan. I, I, I heed to your to your argument. Um, okay, it, it's it's playoff season. It's season July twenty eighth. Dom's patio season. Sison. <sighs> We're gonna do this thing. Um, And I guess if we're gonna do this thing, are we though? Well, I guess if we're gonna do this thing, it's good to know that there's zero cases announced the last week. Yeah, exactly. That the NHL came out and said, um, which is fantastic. Like we have sat here and we have bashed this entire return to play thing because it's not the right thing to do, and it isn't, and it never will be. But they're doing it anyway. But you know what? I got to commend them when they get it right. They're
1: crushing it about as well as they could crush it. They're doing so much better than
0: every other fucking league. When we
1: talked about it last week, like we talked about how the last remi—like Not the last remaining risk, but the serious hurdle for me was the day everyone enters the bubble. What is the COVID testing going to look like? Because are we bringing in 25 guys that are all now supposed to spend a lot of time tightly knit together, and 25 of them test positive, and it's like, cool, that's fucking the worst possible thing... And no one tests positive today, so it's like... They got lucky, but this was the last, like, really major hurdle, I think. And so, well, the last really major hurdle is when they're bringing the families in. But this is a pretty good start.
0: Yeah. Like, I, I can't really see a scenario aside from the rogue pizza delivery guy that shows up and, you know, k- kills everybody inside the bubble. But, like... <laughs> like... They're, they shoot <laughs> the rope. The you make you
1: make it sound like he's going to be like a mass shooter or something like that. Like like a mask, if if someone is a mask is, spreader, if perhaps. someone is asymptomatic and show, they're not allowed to have a pizza delivery guy. What are you talking about right now? I don't know how this works. No, um, they're they're getting no, like they, they're getting food catered, I guess. But it's not going to be like a guy. They they should with be good now. Two thousand like you
0: said, like the family. Like this this is it. Like how else would it get in there? Theoretically, I know it could. I'm just saying, like, how would it if they're if they're doing their diligence and they're like following all the steps that they're taking and they're announcing the numbers yeah. each week, like I
1: the non the non NHL employees that are going to be around this is the problem. But because they have to quarantine too, if, for sure. But are they going to? We're basically mm-hmm. talking the the league needs to keep track of. I don't know the number. I would just estimate it's probably about four thousand people, right? 2,000 of them are NHL employees and all these other people that are going to have to come together for the rinks, for the food, for the the entertainment, like, all this stuff. Like, again, we're talking about, like, these guys are supposed to be able to go golfing on their day off. Everyone that works at that golf course is going to fucking properly quarantine for 14 days. Really? Guarantee you there's a few, uh, like, 20-year-old kids that all they do is smoke dope and party with their buddies and maybe go to the wrong party one night and that's all it takes. Right, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, so like I'm like saying, NHL, I'm saying it's a super slippery slope. Yeah, is it going to happen? Probably not. But that's my problem. Does that make it right? No, I, it doesn't.
0: I think the NHL is going to do its due diligence when it where it, it's going to say, hey, like we got these guys coming to the golf course today. Uh, here's like a big fat check. Don't fucking schedule your 18 year old fucking you know. But that's all these places have really. Figure it out. Here's a big fat check. Figure it out. I don't know. Like, I think the NHL is going to, like, flex So, uh, So what you, and... what
1: you think is the NHL is going to pay, like, $100,000 per guy to get, like, the guys from TPC Sawgrass to come in for, like, two months? It
0: doesn't have to be TPC Sawgrass. It just has to be, like, am I'm, I'm, c- I'm from just, the I'm, Fort William I'm, I'm, Country I'm, Club that just runs it for the day.
1: Sure, but all that guy does is run the pro shop. I'm saying, like, these guys that get paid to cut grass for a living, you're thinking that the NHL is going to, like, just pay off all these golf courses to bring them over? And that even some of these golf courses are going to let them go. I don't know.
0: I've, n- I've never met the. Golf. This is the this is the weirdest yeah, fucking. True.
1: Are you telling me that the NHL is going to hire private contracting golf uh, grass cutters?
0: I've never met a, a grass cutter playing golf uh, personally, but yeah. I, I guess well there's... they're mostly
1: twenty year old kids that smoke dope.
0: Sure, I've, former I've never, form, I've never a former six... guest
1: to the podcast used to be a guy who cut grass at a golf course, and let me tell you, I wouldn't pay him any money to fucking live in a bubble for two months when Fair he was enough. 20.
0: Um, no, but again, I, I'm going to commend them when they get it right. They got it right. They're doing very well with this whole thing. They're doing as
1: well as you probably could,
0: Like for sure. the NBA seems to be kind of right there. The, the only knock against them is that they're doing their thing in Florida. The NFL, we're going to have to wait and see. The MLB is collapsing as an entire sport franchise as we know it, so... Um, we'll have to see what happens If there's any teams left oh, at the man. end of that it Might just be the fucking like, You know San Diego Padres are the World Series champions Because you know they're like, the last team uninfected You know how like
1: all the time like Someone else will tweet it out But it's like every year or so Someone on sports twitter will tweet out What's your all time worst sports take And I, I genuinely believe that mine was When Rob Manfred first came in I'm like this guy knows how to run a league man When he first came in, I was like, I love him. He was started to do all these things to, like, try to make baseball a more watchable sport. Right? You remember that? Like, he brought in the pitch clock and all that stuff. And faster. Yeah, like, the pitch clock didn't really work, but it kind of worked. You know what I mean? Like, all these little things, and I'm like, yeah, like, he's going to make baseball, like, way better. And then he juiced the balls, and now all the records are fucked. And then, like, kind of looked the the other way on all this cheating. And now he's just kind of like, yeah, you know what? Like, not a big deal. Like, Fifteen of the forty Florida Marlins have uh, coronavirus, but they should be good to go Wednesday. What? what? are you Talking about cancel the season? It's over. Like it, it's done. It's over. And it's like no, we're only going to cancel the one game, and the, and the Marlins are still going to play on Wednesday. We're going to give them an extra day off. Like it's the like it's a common cold. <laughs> what are you doing?
0: I I, I don't know. Like it's I, fucked. I, I don't know if you cancel the league, but I would I would be docking the Marlins. I wouldn't be canceling games. Like, if, if the Marlins get themselves sick, and they can't play, okay, you forfeit the game, you lose 1-0, uh, Phillies get the, get the game, move on to the next game. Oh, you still can't play, you're still sick? Okay, that's uh, another loss on your record. Like, and, and until you're healthy, and you can, like, go a couple days in a row where you don't test positive, you're going to be losing games the whole yeah. time, and then the season can kind of continue in that respect. I mean, it, like it doesn't. Nec- it,
1: it doesn't necessarily make it fair, but that's it's that's better than canceling the it's whole. It's a
0: deterrent to like, hey, don't go fucking party at the bars after well, your but, fucking. But games. that's where I'm.
1: That's where I'm coming back to it, James. Where like a, that's not necessarily what happened, right? Like that's that that's they're, a thing where something. if we're gonna punish this team, well, they live in Florida. Yeah, they, they so well, they're leaving they, their homes. They should be. Okay, maybe they should be moving the team though. Is all I'm oh, saying, like sure. for the for the season, right? Like that's what they should have done, but oh, yeah, in a bubble. So is what you're saying? So yeah, it's, for the bubble. it's it's almost like uh, you know we didn't want people entering Canada. Maybe we shouldn't have let the Marlins enter Florida or any oh. other team enter Florida.
0: That decision to like deny the Blue Jays into Canada could very well get the Liberals reelected on that alone. If if the MLB fucking. Hash those uh, those, those damn literals, eh? Those oh. literal parties. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, the NHL's kicking ass. They're better than all the other leagues. My sports are the sport. sport. Uh, it's time for the playoff preview because this oh, fuck, this thing's going to do that. kick off in a few days, okay. Saturday, August first. Just there give will me hockey again.
1: Just give me five minutes to Google the NHL playoff format. Right,
0: right. Take your time. Yeah. Take your time. You didn't have all, all fucking... Pick,
1: pick whatever. Prefer. Pick wherever you want to start. I'm, I'm going like to start okay. in the West.
0: I like the West, okay. and I'm going to start out West, and I've got the NHL yeah. app. So yeah, yeah, okay. i got the NHL say open up. I'm going to go down in order that they have it listed.
1: I'm not arguing with you, but I just... I always find it interesting. You always start in the West, and it's like, to me, you go in order of time zones. So you start in the East, and then you go West. Well, maybe know?
0: maybe I'm starting on the West Coast, and I'm going over Asia and Europe, and I'm coming back to the East.
1: Oh, Okay. So we'll do the east on next week's episode because of the time changes. Definitely, okay. yeah. We'll see you
0: next week. Yeah. Uh, this has been the latest of a hockey podcast. Uh, check out the north side uh, for <laughs> the latest on. Uh, no, um, I'm not writing anything. <clears throat> um, Oilers at five versus Chicago at twelve. Uh, the head-to-head this season, the Chicago Blackhawks won uh, two of the three matches, uh, with the Oilers uh, taking the middle split game in February. What uh, what do you think is going to happen here? This this is this is honestly like it, it's a weird place to start because this is probably one of the more intriguing matchups in terms of like I don't think there's necessarily a favorite, but there should be a favorite. But these are two fucking really bad hockey teams that just happen to be playing each other. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: is we talked uh, we talked recently about how I thought that the Blackhawks could conceivably beat the Oilers with Corey Crawford. And without Corey Crawford, I don't see a way that the Blackhawks could conceivably beat the Oilers. And then the other day, they're like, yeah, by the way, Corey Crawford had COVID, but he's now healthy and is going to play. And now, I don't love this series for the Oilers, necessarily. But, listen, I've been um, constantly on the Oiler bashing train all year. I still don't think they're for real. But what I will say is they seem to have one of the best player. It well, was not seem to have. They have the best player in the world, probably. So, is that enough to power through the Blackhawks? Yeah, it might be. Like the Blackhawks have a a deep from these guys are all NHLers standpoint blue line, but not from a like a firepower sort of standpoint. Like Duncan Keith, sure, best player on their like best player on their defense core. Is he better than Jake Muzzin? No. So, you know, like, 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 where do we draw the line with Keith at this point? Is he is he better than Hampus Lindholm? Probably, but not by much. He's better than
0: everybody the uh, Oilers have.
1: I might... Clefbaum and Keith are actually a good comparison, I would okay. think. Clefbaum's not bad. I think I'd rather Keith because he's, he's smarter. But Clefbaum's better at hockey at this point. Yeah. I don't know. All I'm saying is, yeah, like, these are not two great teams, I gotta be honest with you, I kinda like Chicago's forward group better, which is kinda fucked up to say, because, but this isn't basketball, like, it's not like, like, every time Connor McDavid's on the ice, he's got the puck the whole time, he doesn't, he actually has it less than the other team, and, uh, is he on the ice the whole game, no, he's at best 25 minutes, is he good for those 25 minutes, no, so, not all of them. So I I don't know like that that's a really tough one I'm I'm still gonna go Oilers just because I think Drysaitl and McDavid are gonna um, have a couple nights where they just go off and and have enough support around them to kind of get through sure. it but I'm I'm gonna say Oilers in I'm gonna say four because it's in their rink and I actually think there is a little bit to be said about that
0: no Mike Green for Edmonton no Brent Seabrook for Chicago um, no Andrew Shaw no uh, Seabrook They've already said... He Is he, will, he allergic
1: to his equipment magically no, all of a sudden? the
0: Blackhawks have actually said that the, he, won't be, he will not be, like, part of their return-to-play roster. They didn't say why, though? They didn't say why, or if he's hurt, or if they just said, you know what, you kind of fucking suck, and we're not going to use you regardless. Yeah, I mean, like, so, he shouldn't
1: be on the roster. I'm just curious why he's not. Uh, no
0: Mike Green, no Brent Seabrook, uh, Andrew Shaw will not be returning from his concussion. Oh, you know
1: what, actually, James? I'm just reading breaking news. Uh, Brent Seabrook's been traded to the fucking uh, Houston Coyotes, so... Cool. That's... Fucking really cool. The
0: Kyrie's been traded to Houston as well mm-hmm. in the same transaction. Part of the deal, yeah. Um, I, I, I will also we'll give take... you, we'll
1: give you. We'll give you our hockey team if you take Brent Seabrook with mm. you.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I, uh, I'm also taking Edmonton. Uh, I don't think it's... You You cannot contain McDavid... You can barely contain dry side with Elk McDavid. You, so you, you,
1: can, you can kind of contain them both, but the Blackhawks aren't the fucking the team back to do Yeah, they can
0: <laughs> like, um, and, and like you said, like, they're in Edmonton. The only game the Oilers won out of the three this year was in Edmonton. There's something to be said for it. It's not going to be much, but I, I, I give them the edge. I think it goes to the full five. Uh, I think Corey Crawford has at least one shutout in the series, but, uh, yep, uh, Oilers for me as well. Uh, Next on the docket, we got the sixth-place Nashville Predators going up against the 11 Arizona slash Houston Coyotes. Uh, The season series was tied, one game apiece, um, and uh, it looks like they haven't played since before Christmas. So all bets are kind of off, I think, when it comes to these two teams on a head-to-head basis. Okay.
1: I will say. If the Predators start pekka Rinne less than two games, that they win the series. But if pekka Rinne is playing, I will take the Coyotes. I don't know. Because I... I think these teams are awash, more or less. I like the Predators' roster depth a little better. Not by much. Like, a little better. I mean, they have Roman Yossi. Yeah. But like, and, the, and the Coyotes don't. But other than that, I don't really see a, much of a difference between these teams, other than the Coyotes' goaltending is miles ahead of the Predators' goaltending. I think. So. I,
0: I, I think Nashville takes it. Um, I, I think it's close as well. I'm not so sold on Rene being the X factor here. Like, I'm not. I'm not going to say he's going to win the series for Nashville, but I don't also think he would lose the series for Nashville. Uh, I, mm. I think it comes down to Nashville. Just you know, they're they're slightly better. They're going to have the home. You know, advantage in terms of getting the matchups they want, and I think they're going to capitalize on that. Their their another that, thing though, I would before. I would say to the matchup
1: thing is that the Coyotes have the better head coach.
0: They have the better head coach for sure, but he's going to have less opportunities to do what he wants to do out of those five games. Like if. You know, if, if the home team, so to speak, wins each game because of the matchup. I just think,
1: like, when you, like, like almost, like, whatever the Predators want to do, like, I feel like the Coyotes just have something that can neutralize a lot of the Predators' lineup. Like, that's all I'm saying. Like, I think I think if you compare their lineup, like, their number one center is as good as their number one center. Their number two center is as good as their number one center. Like, there's a lot of difference. And the only difference I really give these teams is that Roman Yossi is much better player than anyone on the Coyotes or on his own team but like if Roman Yossi isn't playing great defensively like it's not going to take much for Phil Kessel to just go off on a Pekka Rene that has no idea where the puck is going and uh Pe- Phil Kessel's also uh, gone off on Pekka before so <laughs> you know what sure. I mean
0: yeah I, I don't know he's
1: chased him before in a playoff game
0: I I th- I I think this is going to be a tight one. Another five game series, in my opinion. But yeah, I
1: don't think it's super. Yeah, it's it's worth arguing over. But but I I, I think to be interesting here, uh, if you're going Predators, you know what? I'll take the Coyotes. Yeah, I think they're also going to be a little bit mad about uh, about Cheka. Maybe some of them, some of them, because uh, most of their best players, uh, Cheka's the one that gave them a big bag of money. Here's some money. You know they probably like him.
0: You know, I, I and they're and
1: they're the same age, right? Like Clayton Keller and John Schaefer were probably up playing fucking Warzone like at I, I didn't
0: consider the Schaefer factor actually. That's going to be a huge mental uh, blow to the players, I'm sure. Yeah. That's
1: what I mean. Their PM is
0: so integral to the playoff push, right? So, well, I,
1: because he's best friends with them. Yeah. Is what I'm saying? James Schaefer is like the fuck, He would be like the tenth oldest guy on the
0: team. All right, I got, I got Prez <laughs> You got Kellys. <laughs> Uh, we got the number... Oh, fuck. Uh, we got the number 7 Vancouver Canucks versus the number 10 Minnesota oh. Wild. The season series, 2-1 uh, to one in favor of the Wild. Um, with a, a pair of uh, uh, wins in February. Uh, including a shootout win their last time out February 19th in Vancouver. Uh, again, like, I, I think this is such a... Like, I think... I keep waiting for, like, the super easy, like, this team is clearly going to, like, cakewalk the other. These two teams were separated by one point in the fucking standings. Like, this is going to be such a close matchup. I think this one honestly comes down to goaltending. If, if if we get Devin Dubnik back from, like, a year or two ago, the Wild have a real shot. If he's not Devin Dubnik, I don't mm-hmm. trust Alex Stalock uh, in, in net. Jacob Markstrom looks like the real deal. He seems to be healthy. I know he missed a bit of time before the break. I don't know. I think this one honestly comes down to goaltending. I think the Minnesota Wild have a really good defensive structure that could shut down the potent, you know, Vancouver, the kids, you know, the Elias Patterson, Brock Besser, Quinn Hughes, you know, the offensive threat that those guys possess. And I don't like Vancouver defensively. So if this gets into a, you know, a 2-1 to grudge match every night, I think I, I give the edge to Minnesota here
1: um yeah for for basically every reason you just outlined I'm going the Canucks um I think that Jacob Markstrom is the most underrated goaltender in the NHL I think he is easily a top 10 goalie and I don't think Jacob or I don't think Devin Dubnik has for sure been one for at least two years um yeah I I see your point if they get Dubnik back from like, 2017 I think like when he first really got there and was really on fire uh, then yeah I I, I get your point but I don't think that Devin Dubnik exists anymore I think Devin Dubnik more or less just is what he is now Um, and I mean is Dubnik even their starting goalie game 1 I I don't even know if that's what they do because Staylock was the starter at the end of the year Um, so yeah I, I see what you're saying but I have more faith in the wild as a team I just think Jacob Markstrom is enough that the Wild are only moderately better than the Canucks, maybe as a team. And I think the goaltending, again, like it, kind of like Arizona and, and Nashville, like I think that's enough to make a difference. So I will go uh, Vancouver there.
0: Markstrom is interesting though. Like it's not entirely confirmed that he's going to be good to go when this. Re- yeah, that's fair. So if if they don't have him. I think they're in trouble. Who, who, who's the backup, technically? Is it Demko? Yeah. Yeah. I, I like Demko. Like, I think he's the guy of the future. Well, you know, Marshall could be the guy of the future. They're both pretty young. But I don't know if Demko's quite there yet. Either way, I think this one, again, This another coin flip. These are two really close teams, I think, on paper. And uh, I think that's another five-game series, honestly.
1: Um, yeah, I, I guess. That, that might be
0: right. Yeah, uh, The last one out west, we've got the Calgary Flames at 8 versus the Winnipeg Jets at 9. Uh, the Flames technically with less points than the Jets, despite having Hallmites' advantage due to the .001 uh, win percentage um, that they, they garnered in the regular season. Uh, in the head-to-head matchups, they played one game. It was outdoors on October 26th an overtime win in Regina, Saskatchewan, uh, for the Jets. Neither team has played an indoor game against each other this season. It's absolutely fucking wild. Um, <laughs> where do you start here? Like this, this I think all bets are off when it comes to these two teams. This is the
1: closest one, but I I do have an argument that I re- I really think to me this is going to be the simple story of the series. <clears throat> the Jets are far and away. It's not even close. Better offensively. The flames are far and away, it's not even close better defensively. It's going to be up to the flames to neutralize the jets top six forwards. Are they going to be able to do it? I'm not really sure. I do think the flames are pretty solid defensively. This is just I test talking on this when I, I can't really like the, the numbers aren't, aren't, aren't great either, but just from watching them offensively, they don't make me nervous at all offensively. They're, they're, I, I don't know, like, they just kind of walk in over the blue line and shoot the puck, and it's like, I, okay, good luck with that. Connor kind of Hellebucks in that. Um, so, the Flames don't really scare me, but if the Flames can force it down to a 2 1 game, that's where it's going to get a little bit interesting, I think. Um, now, how does that 2 1 game go? Like, you know what I mean? There's a lot to be said there. So, I. I am a little bit concerned of their loss of Travis Hamanick. And it's not like Hamanick is... Um, like, it's not like Travis Hammonick's like Jacob Slavin or anything like that back there. Like, it's not like he's like the biggest difference maker. But all I'm saying is, without Hamanick, they're going to force like Rasmus Anderson into a spot where is he ready to shut down Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler and Kyle Connor and Patrick Liney and Nikolai Ehlers? I, I don't think so. Because again, like... That's the only part of the Jets that didn't really change from the last few years is their offense is just getting better because these guys are just developing more. So
0: now now is Anderson it, got to play against those guys though. Calgary's at the home ice advantage technically. Well, they, someone's they, got to play against the second line, no well, way. Right? You tossed Giordano out there and then you got your second match. Uh, who, who's the second pairing? It's I thought the flame the flames are pretty deep defensively, I thought.
1: the well I wouldn't really say that it's I wouldn't really say that it's their blue line as much as it is the five man unit is really strong in the neutral zone when you watch them. Because they don't really play like an aggressive four check quite as much anymore. If they choose to play an aggressive 4 check, which might actually be the move, that's a thing. Like if Jeff Ward changes their style, which would not be a smart move for Jeff Ward's coaching career but it might actually win him the series. You know what I mean? It would be a massive risk for him long-term sure. as a coach. Um, but what they probably should do is play super aggressive against the Jets because if you get, like, Dmitry Kulikov rimming the puck around the boards like he's Nikita Zaitsev, then, yeah, like, your forecheck's going to work and you're going to hammer the Jets. That's one of those things. But all we can go off of is what they were at the end of the year, and to me the Flames are a not dangerous offensively, pretty solid defensively, win-the-game 2-1 to team, and the Jets are... Hopefully Connor's on, or like Connor Hellebuck's on tonight. Let's try to put up five goals if we can, and, and yeah. Helly will bail, bail us out. So based on all that, I feel better about the Jets' offense than I do as the Flames' defense because the Flames are not meant to play the system that they play. They're built to be an offensive team, and they play defensive because Jeff Ward didn't know what else to do with the team. So all that said, Jets in five... I think they have a little bit more pedigree and 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 experience in something like this, but that is I think the closest series out west.
0: Yeah, no, that's Ham- the
1: tough one for me. I wouldn't be shocked if the Flames swept the Jets either. No, but Hamlet I'm taking for the, the Flames.
0: Jets. No, Brian Little for the Jets. Um, obviously, you know, like Brian Little, he's at this point he's probably the third line center. I would I would say for, for their uh, their forward group, it's a hit. Like it's we can't underplay it it's, it's it's not the same degree i think that you know you lose a top four defenseman you lose a top nine forward um but uh, he's a big part of that group and 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 not to have that that depth might be a factor um but it sounds like they're gonna have you're,
1: you're not wrong but i would make a bit of a counterpoint there where i think the jets have kind of been dealing without brian little for a while
0: well, they have, because definitely.
1: every year they yeah. make a trade to just move him down the depth chart. Sure, and then he get and some years he's hurt. But he's like,
0: been out since November this year, too, and that's right? what I'm
1: saying, right? Like Adam Lowry is, is used to playing up in that lineup when he has to, too. So I'm not saying he's your ideal second line center, but he like even if he gets thrown into that spot, it's not bad. Yeah, Andrew Kopp can play center. Like you do have options. They're not all amazing, but yeah, I, I honestly I think Ross will probably end up playing there. In I that spot. Um, and Ross is. Arguably better than Brian Little at this stage, anyway.
0: I I would, I would probably take Winnipeg in this series, only because I think Paul Maurice is going to do a better job than Jeff Ward is. Um, because aside from that, I think this is very, very close. Um, in in terms of uh, the matchup. If, if, if Paul Maurice can steal one of those home games that Calgary's going to have, I think he's laughing. I, I don't see a way the Jets lose when they have the last change in, in this regard. Um, so all they have to do is win one in in Calgary's building, so to speak. And
1: Like, I, I know this is a, like a very old boys narrative, but Paul Maurice is a very good coach in a playoff series. Yep, you definitely. know, you say what you want about him as like a 82-game season coach, but he can find a way to win a series sometimes he's taken some not great teams on some pretty good runs it could happen again
0: yep uh now that leaves the four teams that are out west um that don't participate in the play around uh you've got the st louis blues the Colorado avalanche the dallas stars and the vegas golden knights that are all going to kind of vie for that one through four seating for when we get down to the final 16 is there anybody like you, you know like it was a pretty clear gap between St. Louis, Colorado and Vegas, Dallas in terms of the points. Do you think there's room for a big upset here? Do you think it's going to kind of shake out how most people expect it to? Is it in the status quo? Where, where, where do you see those four teams kind of lining up for round two? I mean, two?
1: if they're able to find their legs and just get back to form, all those four teams are miles ahead of the rest of the field to me. I will take those four teams over the field even though the Odds are way worse, right? But if any of those four teams can get back to where they were, there's no reason why that the winner should come from that play-in round on the West. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it, it just depends
0: how ready they are to go. Like do, do you see a team like Dallas jumping from four to one to get a better matchup in, in the first round? Or do you think this is going to stay oh the, the way it is, where St. Know. Louis is going to be the one seed and they're just going to kind of... You know, have their way with these other. teams. I mean, teams. I think
1: Vegas is the best team in the West, yeah. so I, I could see Vegas hopping up for sure. But um, I do, I do think all four of those teams are pretty good. It's, it's not
0: really. I'm not sure if it's been announced. Like the the format in which they're going to determine the seating is if it's they're just going to play each other once, and the best you know record kind of takes it, or or how that works. I can't imagine they're going to have time for more than one game. You know, uh, per per opponent. So. You're right. In a short little swing like that, I think Vegas is the best on paper. But um, I I don't know the the Abs score a fuck ton of goals, uh, and uh, you know with them being healthy for the first time since October 12th, uh, they 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 could I very easily I think take top spot in the West and and get the best matchup moving forward and theoretically have home ice all the way to the Cup final but uh, yeah there's I, I, I would agree with you that those four teams are are head and shoulders better than the rest uh, that we talked about and it'll be interesting to see where they come down in that order uh, the east I don't know if it's if it's more wide open but it, it's definitely a different beast we'll, we'll mm. start with the 512 matchup
1: I have less faith in the high seeds in the east so I think I, I and honestly I do like some of these guys in the play-in round I, I think there are some good teams that are Still there. The East is a better, is a deeper conference. Deeper anyway. conference yeah. I, I don't know if it's better. I still like the four playoff teams, sorry, the four uh, top teams in the West versus four top teams in the East. But
0: Right. Uh, the 5-12 matchup, the Pittsburgh Penguins taking on the Carey Price Canadians. The season matchup, uh, 2-1 to uh, in favor of Pittsburgh, with their last game coming on Valentine's Day, a 4-1 uh, Pittsburgh win at home. Th- th- this one's getting a lot of talk in terms of some sort of like <laughs> this is going to be uh, a series for some reason you know where where all all the faults of most teams uh get exploited and and publicly addressed in the media uh montreal's in- instead turns to yeah but they have Carey price is this anything other than penguins in three to you
1: is it anything other than the Penguins in three? Um, I mean, maybe. Like, I'm not. I'm not going to put it past Montreal to. Here's the thing, right? It's like it's a five game series, and we've seen so many times in the past where a team just comes out flat on a regular season, or like in a, you know what I mean, in a regular year, and ends up like going down three two to a team that they shouldn't go down three two to, and then they show up and and battle their way back, and the better team ends up winning in seven. It's not out of the realm of possibility for any of these play-in matchups for the team that's not as good to go up 3-2. Like, it it, it very easily could happen. But I think the Penguins are uh, full of pedigree and a much better coach, and uh, I'm going to say it, I don't even know who's starting a net. They might have the better goalie. And everyone's talking about the Canadians having the better goaltending and the goaltending getting hot. And it's like, do they have the better goaltending? I don't fucking really know. So, um, do I think the Penguins in three? Yeah. Yeah, I I think the Penguins are going to sweep this series. But, um, look, like I've said it multiple times. I am a Leafs fan, but I'm not necessarily a Habs hater. This isn't like a Leafs bias here. But I... They're not great this year. There's really not a lot that I like about Montreal. They were better last year. So, I like, I don't really know what we're talking about here.
0: Well, the Habs can't draft Lafreniere if they don't you know, lose the play-in round. Yeah. So I guess if, if
1: the Habs play the Penguins in the playoffs last year, yeah, the Habs might win. Actually, good chance they win. This year, the Penguins look like they're firing on all cylinders. Uh, Crosby looks like he's going to be healthy. And there was all this talk, even today... Well, you know, without Crosby, this is a series isn't even close. What do you mean without Crosby? There's Crosby ruled out, he's on the trip. He made it. He's good to go, conceivably. So, yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Penguins.
0: Yeah. Uh, Carey Price, like he he does have better numbers than Matt Murray. You know, at at the time of the pause, Tristan Jari looks like he may have taken. The job away in terms of you know who's going to start. I th- I think the only way Pittsburgh loses this if it, is if they get into some sort of goalie controversy where maybe they lose game one and now it's kind of up in the air. Like where do we go from here? Do we you know stick with the guy we started game one? Do we switch things up? Do we wait too long to switch things up? But I don't know. Like here, here's here's a question for you. Who was the leading scorer for the Pittsburgh Penguins on December thirtieth? Thirtieth, December thirtieth.
1: Is this a trick question?
0: In a way, I suppose.
1: So it's not Crosby or
0: Malkin. It's not Crosby or Malkin.
1: It's Gensel or Rust. It's Gensel. Okay.
0: And they haven't had Gensel since December thirty first. Mm-hmm. They're getting back their leading goal scorer, like their their leading point scorer. Mm-hmm. And you're adding their best offensive threat, technically on paper, to a lineup that has Crosby and Malkin on it. Yeah. Like like here's a part that everyone, talking about here's
1: a part that everyone forgets about. Is the is? Or I'm just. I'm going to ask you because I very rarely ask you questions on this podcast. Who is the better forward group? Pittsburgh. Who is the better decor? That's not even close to me. That's the that's the
0: biggest difference to me. It's Montreal. How do you figure that? Have you seen the guys that are playing on Pittsburgh's decor?
1: Yeah, they got John Marino and Chris Letang, who's better than anyone on Montreal's decor.
0: Well, they've got Chris Letang, who's better than Chris uh, than Shea Weber, but. The Habs have Shea Weber, who's better than any other player on Pittsburgh. I don't agree with that at all. I I, I
1: think I think Shea Weber's worst nightmare is a team like Pittsburgh that can skate. I think if they're playing Boston or something like that, that's that's Shea Weber's. You know, Philly. I think that's his kind of series. But Pittsburgh, like they're just pure speed, man. And Shea Weber is uh, that's his only weakness, but it's a big one. (laughs)
0: yeah it's a big fucking weakness the the penguins have to play like jack johnson and justin schultz eventually so like it's it's not great
1: i'm not too worried about schultz but yeah jack johnson's Mm. not great yeah i hear you uh
0: i don't know like again this is pittsburgh in three unless the Habs win game one obviously it wouldn't be a sweep at that point but if, if the Habs can pull off game one I, I think Pittsburgh could maybe get in their own heads about this.
1: Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll give the Habs this a little bit. And, again, this is a just totally anti analytics sort of uh, take, like a very old-school take I'm going to have here. This is very much like a Don Cherry take I'm about to have oh here. Boy. The Habs have...
0: You people.
1: The, yeah, you people <laughs> betting against the Canadian teams. <laughs> you know what, I got that Russian guy, the Milken.
0: The Milken, yeah.
1: Who knows who's playing in net? Who are we going to bet against? Carey Price, the best goalie in the world. Shea Weber, best defenseman in the world. Max Domi, best forward in the world. Let's go. And then Ron just looks to please, like, let's get out of the next four and a half minutes. I
0: don't
1: even remember what my point was going to be now.
0: I can make a new one if you'd like.
1: Sure. (laughs) Got me off topic now.
0: Speaking of Don Cherry. Oh, no,
1: I'll say this. Uh... (laughs) I, I will I say this, Montreal, Montreal is one of those teams that they will get that rallying cry going. Like, they have that kind of a room where I sort of think they're going to embrace this they-don't-have-a-chance sort of narrative, and they could be dangerous if they win Game 1. Like, I'll go to what you said. If they win Game 1, that this could get a little sketchy. It could. But they gotta win game one. I still think that even room aside, if they're playing almost any other team in this play in round other than Pittsburgh, okay. But Pittsburgh, I'm not gonna bet against Pittsburgh's room either. Like it's just like every sort of thing. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. You got the better coach, they gotta bet the, the li- better lineup, everything. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going Pittsburgh.
0: Um where I was going was speaking of Don Cherry Uh, the six-seed bunch of jerks Carolina Hurricanes are going to be taking on the number 11 New York Rangers, uh, two teams that were separated by two points in the standing. Um, However, eight of those points were accumulated by the Rangers over the Hurricanes as they swept the season series uh, four games to none, uh, the last of which coming February 21st in a 5-2 Rangers win. Uh, It sounds like Dougie Hamilton has had a bit of a setback. They're not too sure if he's going to be back in time uh, to uh, start the series. He might show up, you know, game three, game four. Type should of situation. should
1: clarify, not setback. Different different injury. Different injury.
0: Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Different injury. Sammy Vatnin uh, looks like he'll be making his Hurricanes debut after coming over in a trade from oh, the hurric- uh, from the Devils. Oh, sorry. he's not on the Rangers. No, he's not. Oh, okay. Um, and Chris Kreider will be back, uh, who uh, missed the last six games of the season due to a foot injury. It looks like he's healthy. He's ready to go for the start of what should be a very interesting series. Um, a Rangers team, like I said, that swept the season series, but a, a Hurricanes team that, you know, the, the analytics community absolutely loves. Like, this is a team that night in and night out on paper should be winning more games than maybe they do. They had a good season. Who knows how it would have ended had we uh, you know, seen things through, and, mm-hmm. and they get a tough matchup against uh, probably the one team uh, they did not want to face in the New York Rangers. What, what, do, what do you think here?
1: Yeah, I mean, every year there's a series in the first round of the playoffs, if we're going to call this the first round of the playoffs, that – um, defies the analytics community and this might be the one because we're talking about one of uh, like a top three possession team playing a bottom four possession team and so I I didn't even really realize, like I always forget the Rangers are like technically that bad uh, like possession wise but um, there is something about the Rangers that would sort of concern me if I'm Carolina and I'm not really sure exactly what that is, but, um, look, I mean, like, here's the thing, right, like, like, everyone talks about the analytics side of the Hurricanes, like, they are demonstrably the better defensive team, right, that's, that's the difference to me, so to get the Rangers going when they already don't have the puck, like, that's, that's the part that concerns me, now, the Hurricanes goaltending is the problem with their team, and, um, it's quite possible that Hart Trophy nominee Artemi Panarin and very good offensive forward Mika Zabinajad being on different lines take advantage of some of the Hurricanes' weaker lineup spots. But I I think I'm still going to go Carolina, but I could very much understand how the Rangers end up doing this. I'm going to go, I'll go Hurricanes in four because I th- I think if it goes to five, the Rangers sort of have the makeup. But I will go Hurricanes in four.
0: The Hurricanes, to win this series, will have to win 50% of the games that they've won against the Rangers in the last almost ten years. The Hurricanes have beat the Rangers six times since February of 2011, which is kind of insane to think about. Is
1: Sebastian Aho even
0: born yet? Who I knows? don't think so. This is this is a goaltending situation again, like similar to Pittsburgh, in the sense that it's gonna depend on you know how game one goes. But unlike with Pittsburgh, this is gonna apply to both teams. <laughs> Cause I I don't trust. I, it's not that I don't trust. It's I, I don't have faith in the coaching staffs that whichever goalie loses game one for whichever team is going to start Game 2. You've got a few options in New York. You've got Shosturkin, you've got Georgiev, you've got Lundqvist. Carolina's got Mrazek and Reimer. Who, who do
1: you start if you're the Rangers?
0: I start I start Lundqvist. Yeah. It, I, I do. Honestly. Like, yeah. Go no, back, I, go I, back I, to the numbers. I,
1: I do too, but, but Go I'm back to the numbers.
0: <coughs> Lundqvist has lost at most six games against this team since 2011. That's if he was in net for all... I'm not going to go look it up, but that's if he was a net against those, you know, the on, on those certain nights.
1: It's just like I don't know if he's like I don't even know if he's in the top two goalies on the roster.
0: He might not be. You know
1: what I mean? Like that's that's the thing. Are are you making a a nostalgia pick, and it's gonna fuck you up, or are you making a, a pick where Frank, where Hank's gonna find fire? I I almost wonder if it's better to go with Georgia versus Shesterkin let them falter, and then bring in Hank to save the day. Because you know Hank's going to be calm, cool, collected no matter what. Do
0: you right? know? Like, like I, you, know been, you know he'll be calm. But you know he's, he's never be been calm. the guy that's had to come in and mop up. He's always been Com- the guy. Well,
1: he hasn't had to come in and mop up for another goalie. Uh, but he has been on the Rangers since 2005, so he's been mopping wow. up for 15 yeah, years.
0: that's, that's fair.
1: Even when they went to the cup final, that roster was like, eh, it's good, but, you know, they I, I block know. a lot of shots.
0: Like, I, I think, like, you're, you're right. There's an argument to be made, like, on paper, this this year alone, he's probably the number two, maybe the number three guy. I think he's number two, but...
1: What, what, what would you go? You'd go Shesterkin? I'd go Shesterkin. Shesterkin, yeah.
0: like Purely analytical, I'd, I'd go Shosturkin over Lundqvist, but I. I Georgiev has
1: inflated numbers because he's that goalie who every year has like two or three games sure. where, he, where, like Rimer, yeah. he would make a forty-nine save yeah, one exactly. goal performance, exactly. right? So,
0: but that's the thing, like with 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 the Rangers in a short series against a team that in itself doesn't really know who's gonna be the guy in net. How do you not like? Yeah. I, I think you go with him, like. I'm trying to look it up real quick here to see if Lunkfus was the guy this year that played against the Hurricanes in any of those four wins. But like it's it's just to me it's 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 a non issue. Like like go with your go with the guy that's been there day in and day out. He's earned it, I think it's a shitty excuse. I'm not gonna say there's any like evidence no. behind it. No. He's earned it. Give it to him see I, what I will
1: say that goaltending is a type of voodoo that there isn't much in there that doesn't exist in another sport if if Henrik Lundquist has been the guy the and for me this is the case where you would argue that in the last 15 years if you could pick any goalie in their absolute prime to win you a playoff game I would still pick him now knowing that he's maybe 80% of what he used to be to maybe catch that fire again. Not only would I necessarily go Lundquist game one, I it would take a lot for me to not go Lundquist two, three, four, five. Like he would have to be You know what I mean, like an eight fifty or something game one and game two for me to not go back to him game three. Right. Because there's just something about fucking Henrik Lundquist that gives me so much confidence in the net. And even now, even though he's not twenty fourteen Henrik Lundquist or, or before that, he's still You know, like, he's still good. I go with him because there's just something about him that is so calm and collected. And he is that guy where if the game's, like, getting a little bit tough, you look back there and you know that he's your goalie, you feel much better about it. Mm -hmm. Even because that's just hockey culture, man. Like, Mika Zabinijad's not looking at the numbers. He's not sitting there saying, don't start Henrik Lundqvist. If they put him in net, Mika Zabinijad's going to fucking battle for his fellow countrymen... Like uh, like like not like never before. Yeah. I go Lundqvist game one, uh, sure. Of,
0: of the four games against the Hurricanes, uh, Lundqvist made 45 of 47 saves in game <laughs> one. He made 41 of 43 saves in oh game two. Oh my god! He made 39 of 42 saves in game three. And Shesterkin had the most recent game.
1: They won all of those three games?
0: All four games they won against the Hurricanes this year. Lundqvist Holy won the first Fuck. Three. He didn't get the most recent... But those are big, big fucking numbers he put up. They're a
1: hard team to game plan against because they win so many games without having the puck. Yeah, and the problem is, is they started so bad possession wise that their possession numbers look worse than they are on the back half of the season.
0: All three games they allowed more than forty shots. That Lundqvist was like I don't have it. All of them.
1: I don't have it in front of me, but I want to say their last thirty-five games they were like one of the seven best possession teams in the league. I would. And they were so bad to start, right? Oh, man. Yeah, I go Hank.
0: Yeah. I go Hank. Hank, for sure.
1: What did I? Who did I say? The Hurricanes? Oh, yeah, I'm switching my pick. I'm going Rangers in four. Fuck it.
0: Rangers in three.
1: Rangers in four for me. I'm taking Rangers. Let's go three. Rangers. I'm down. Um, you don't have to convince me to hop on the Rangers bandwagon.
0: Uh, well, all right. Instead of hopping on the Rangers bandwagon, why don't we hop across the river uh, as we look at the New York Islanders at 7... Taking on the Panthers at ten, uh, a playoff series that we saw uh, pretty recently, 2016, I believe, uh, back when John Tavares of now. the Beep Islanders um, took them uh, to the second round. Now,
1: here's a problem: is conference like conferences considered, right? So, like within their own conference in either conference in the NHL. There is no m- matchup more boring to me than when the Islanders play the Panthers. Like I, I would rather watch the Coyotes play like the Dallas Stars or like anyone. There's no matchup to me that sucks worse in the entire NHL within conferences than the Islanders and Panthers. Fucking playoff series. They just did it 3 years ago and it was horrible. Horrible. It was awful. And every game went to overtime, and it was still bad as fuck. Um, So I will not be watching this series, because I hate both
0: these teams with a fucking passion. Um, These these two teams separated by two points. Uh, The Islanders at 80, the Panthers at 78. However, the only reason the Islanders uh, were uh, given the edge is because they happened to sweep the season series three games to none. Their last game coming on... December 12th in Florida Now I might add,
1: I don't have the numbers in front of me But I believe the Islanders were like 7th in the NHL at that time And they're now uh, not And I don't know if anyone paid attention to the New York Islanders On the back half of the season I don't know why you would, but just so you know Not good, really bad, one of the worst teams in the league Hmm. I'm going the Panthers in... 4 I have faith in Barry Trotz to win the game there
0: yeah, I don't know. It, this is tough. Uh, I'm just getting Sasekis back, they're getting Boychuk back, they're getting Pouch back. You know, three guys that missed a good chunk Should of the year. Name,
1: name those guys again.
0: Sasekis, Boychuk, Pouch.
1: I'm not laughing at you. It's just it's just funny that on the Islanders that, that like that's their noteworthy. That's like that's... Fucking, we're getting our guys back. Those
0: are the injuries. I, I, I you oh, know, if, if, if Anders Lee was hurt, I'd be talking about Anders Lee. Yeah, well, but yeah.
1: Anders Lee would make most of the playoff teams, whereas I don't think any of those three guys. Oh. Well, well Sisikis probably, but. Boy,
0: boy Chuck is definitely part of their top six, for sure.
1: Yeah, that's not a good thing.
0: Well. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, he wouldn't make the. Well,
1: he might make the Leafs decor. I guess yeah. we got Cody Ceci.
0: Sergey Bobrovsky will be back. Uh, He missed the last four or five games of the regular season before the pause. Brian Boyle will also return after missing 20 games to an upper body injury. Like I like I like that news better than the island news comebacks. I think this goes five. Honestly, Um, I
1: watch it be the the only game five, and I still don't watch it. Yeah.
0: Look, I don't like either of these teams on paper. I like, I, I like the coaching matchup more so than the teams on paper Quenville versus Trotz Oh but, yeah, Joel Quenville is like,
1: the coach of Florida let's, eh? That's let's pretty go cool. here
0: I, I watched what oh. Sergei Bobrovsky oh. did against Tampa Bay last year Peterson three There's nothing to say that Bobrovsky can't shut the door on the Islanders yeah. again He's done it before I, I could give a shit One of these teams is going to win in five I don't have a pick this is too close to call. You don't have well, gotta make a pick. Panthers. Cool. Quinnaville's got the cups. Panthers guys. Let's eh? go. Trotz has got the cup. Quinnville's got the cups. Do
1: you think that if the Panthers win the cup and there's an agreement in place to move them to, to Houston before <laughs> before they actually win the cup, do you think that they put them on the cup as the Florida Panthers or the Houston Panthers? Houston's somehow getting two teams through the course of this podcast tonight.
0: I, th- I think Florida moves to Kansas City.
1: Kansas City
0: Panthers. Doesn't make sense. Does they just it? don't change your name, yeah. eh?
1: <laughs> How about the Kansas City Royals? That's got a nice ring to it. That's a- not taking it. A
0: Kansas City Hockey Team. Yeah. That'll work.
1: Well, I, but we are talking earlier about being something vague, so it'll be the Kansas City Americans or something.
0: Oh, no, if you already had an Americans, you can't take something. That's what I'm Americans. saying. I'll just do it again. But I can't do it. They can't? Oh, no, I can't.
1: Couldn't they just do it though? The Jets for the Jets. Uh, the
0: NHL would have to sign off on it.
1: Uh, Why would they? Well well, it'd be good for merch within the city of Kansas City.
0: Can't be worse than Chiefs.
1: I was I was literally about to ask Kansas City better or worse for an NHL team than Sunrise, but like I, I would argue Kenora, Ontario makes just as much sense as fucking Sunrise, Florida does. True. You get vacationers.
0: Not in the winter, but Yeah. That's true. Be good for like March, April. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take Panthers, I guess, okay. uh, in five. We got one matchup left. They are the only matchup where the points are the same. The points don't matter, you might say.
1: Yeah, I was about to make that joke, too.
0: Um, 81 <laughs> points what? apiece.
1: <laughs> what we should have done for overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite tonight was um, uh, games for Whose Line Is It Anyway. What was your favorite game? Mm. Are, are you a big Whose Line guy? I love it. It's so good. It's been a while. It's good. Yeah. They I they have some seasons on Prime, but not that oh, much. Yeah. And I know there is a channel on my on my cable box that reairs Who's Line, but it's mostly the Aisha Tyler years, which is fine. Like it's better than nothing. But Drew Carey contributed a lot to that yeah. show. He does not get credit for.
0: I have a, a best of like the first two or three seasons DVD. Ooh.
1: Okay. And it's like... And it's the American one? Like the early Drew yeah, Carey? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's the best of the first... Oh.
0: I, I think it's the first three seasons. There's like 15 episodes on the discs. And it's it's good, but I, I, I feel like they didn't really hit their stride until yeah. a couple years later. No, it
1: took them some time. Because uh, you got to figure out the chemistry within yeah. the cast, right? Yeah. You know what actually would be a good favorite, least favorite, overrated, underrated, but we'd have to prepare. We can't do it tonight, but maybe we'll do it next week. Is your favorite, like, fourth guest star... Because like Wayne Brady was like pretty constant, but Colin Mockery and Ryan Stiles are on like essentially every episode. Yeah. There's only like one or two that each of them missed throughout the run right. of the show. But there was always that fourth guy. Like you yeah. have your Greg Proops, you have yeah. your Chip Eston, who was your favorite? Like overrated, underrated. Well, you there, maybe there wouldn't be an overrated, underrated. Yeah. Who would be your favorite fourth guy? Chip. Like that you could remember. You like Chip? I love Chip. I really liked Greg Proops. Greg, was Greg Proops. Brad Sherwood was underrated too. Brad, I would say Brad yeah. had his moments oh, for sure. Yeah. There's an episode. I shit you not. If I'm if I I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure there's an episode or two where Robin Williams is the fourth guy. If I remember, yes, okay, yeah, like oh, that. It's
0: on the DVD.
1: Oh yeah. my god, like that was so cool. Like, and I'm not even a Robin Williams guy, but you watch this show and he's your fourth guy. I'm like, that's fucking incredible. And he was pretty good on it. Like, he actually did a good job. It's not like he doesn't know what he's doing comedy wise, but. Yeah,
0: god damn. So good. Anyway, uh, there's one yeah, matchup with 81 points. Whose line uh, is it anyway, exactly? Uh, the points don't matter. It's the number 8 Trumape Leafs going up against the number 9 Columbus Blue Jackets. They played twice this year. Uh, they played twice in the month of October this year. Um, the Leafs played the Blue Jackets on the second game of the season. <laughs> A 4-1 win for the Leafs. Uh, and at the uh, end of the month... Uh, they lost in overtime to the Jackets in Toronto. Sheldon Keefe has not coached against the Columbus Blue Jackets this year. He's going to get a taste of them in the playoffs. Jake Muzzin will be back. Ilya Makayev will be back. John Tavares should be healthy. Morgan Riley should be healthy. On the other side of it, Seth Jones and Oliver Brookstrand will be uh, in the lineup after uh, missing some time in February. However, like, they've got a number of guys that are kind of on the fence. You know, Dean Kukin, Ryan Murray, Cam Atkinson, uh, Alex Texier. Uh, it sounds like Josh Anderson's going to be back. A lot of question marks with the depth of this Columbus Blue Jackets team. I'm going to assume they're healthy because that's kind of what I want. I, as a Leaf fan, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I want all these guys to be hurt so that my team gets to win. I want to play the fucking team. I don't want to hear the excuse that we did We were missing half our fucking players And that's why you beat us Like, I'm a Leaf fan If I'm going to lose, I want to lose But if I'm going to win I don't want to have to beat the AHL squad That the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to put out there So I'm wishing the Blue Jackets players All the health in the world And and yada yada Health and happiness Yeah Is this the closest matchup? I I know that the the, the point total is, is tied They're the only matchup that can say that is it the closest, or is this just kind of a artificial representation of where these teams were at in the season when it stopped?
1: So two things. I would say that uh, I actually forgot about him, but I would say that Jeff Davis was actually maybe my favorite reoccurring uh, cast member. And I would also <laughs> say that I didn't realize, I know he was on more than one, but Keegan-Michael Key did nine episodes of that show. Really? Nine. I knew he was on one or two, but I i, I've never, I haven't seen all nine. That's wild. <laughs> um, what do I make of the series? Well, uh, yeah. I, I Look, I am actually in the John Tortorella fan club, not officially. But, I mean, just like I like him. I think people are maybe overestimating where it's like, oh, man, if Torts goes to work, oh, man. It's like I really think a lot of his success is sort of manufactured um, and sort of circumstantial. Like, all of his teams just block shots, and that's that's really cool. The Leafs <laughs> have a fucking ton of skill. They can just walk past your sprawling body and go in on the net and shoot, because one of your defenders is lying down on the ice. Like, I'm just saying, like, practicality-wise, I'm not really sure that blocking shots is going to work to the extent that everyone seems to think it's going to. Um, the Leafs have shown this year that they are a team where their offense can be just bleeded out of a game. And that that does concern me. Um, I think on paper, these teams are not even close. I, I, I think the Leafs are far and fucking away the better team. But, like again, and and, and I'm not saying i buy the argument, but there is something to be said for them having a big game and half the roster doesn't show up. And I don't really know what to make of that. Like... If it's a big game, uh, you know... Um, and this is uh, this is a hilarious name to start off with. If it's a big game, you know Casper Kapanen's going to show up. You know uh, Jake Muzzin's going to show up. You probably know Austin Matthews is going to show up. Beyond those three, I sort of get a little concerned on the pedigree. I, I, I gotta be honest with you, it does concern me a little bit. So... I think it's very conceivable that the Leafs lose this series. Um, I do think that they have a few advantages that people are not maybe considering because maybe they aren't that important, but uh, they are playing in their home rink. They do have home ice advantage, and I do think they have the stronger coach, ultimately, for something like this. Um. I think the Blue Jackets are going to enter a little bit tense, probably, uh, because they know that they're that close to beating the Leafs. It's not like we're talking a 5 seed versus 12 seed here. We're talking an 8 versus a 9. This is splitting hairs, essentially, when you look at it that way. So I think they're going to feel some sort of an obligation to show up. You know that their games are going to be so much more publicized than they ever would have been every other year, because when you're watching the Blue Jackets play the Leafs on TV, if this were to happen in a regular year... Everyone's watching the Leafs. Everyone's watching the Blue Jackets. Now no one else is playing. Every fucking buddy is watching this game. So there's a little bit more of a a spotlight on them, I think. There's way less experience. So I think that that is... And that's hilarious to say even within the Leafs because there's not a ton of experience there. But they have guys with cup rings in the roster, which there might be someone on the Blue Jackets. I can't think of anyone that would have a cup. Like maybe Riley Nash, one with the Bruins. That's all I could think of. Look it up here. So... There's not much experience on that side either. Um, Well, Torts, I guess, has a cup ring, right? But I I still think the Leafs have a few small advantages here that um, at least when you're splitting hairs sort of make a little bit of a difference. I will say this is the Leafs, if they can't get their power play going, is going to be a huge problem because any night where they seem to do poorly on the power play, they do poorly everywhere else. I think the lifeblood of their team is their power play, and if the Blue Jackets can out-penalty kill the Leafs' power play, then we might have a problem. Um, but if the Leafs get their power play going, this is going to be a, a cakewalk. Did you make a pick who you think will win?
0: I think it's the Leafs. Okay. And I, I say that knowing that by saying that, they're going to lose. But I, 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 this is a team that, by all accounts, and by everything that's like, listed in front of us and on paper and shit like that. This is a team that should be so much better than they are. Like, they should not be playing the nine seed in this play-in round. You know, they should be taking on the fucking New York Rangers. Like, not that the Rangers are a bad team, but like, you know what I mean? Like They should be a six seed that are taking on the eleven seed, where they're we're talking about how COVID got in the way of them, you know, having a, a shot at you know, uh, in the top half of the conference. It's a tough division. It's Tampa and Boston. It, it, it's hard to say that the Leafs would win the division. But it shouldn't be hard to say that they're a top five team in the conference. It shouldn't be. This should be a team that is considered one of the best in the conference. They had a weird year. They started off with a coach that was clearly... In a different mindset, in a different direction than what the the club was kind of going in, they made the change. They got some early impact results from the new guy, and then eventually it started to taper off, and they were a sub 500 team, you know, the rest of the way. Honestly, the pause may have saved their season. Like there, there's a chance that you know they may have missed the playoffs um, if if this went the full 82 games, but they shouldn't lose to the blue jackets if 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 they do it's just one more layer of this narrative where this core despite it being 21 years of age can't you know win the big game you know they yeah. lost to washington they lost to boston <clears throat> they lost to boston now they're going to lose to columbus sometimes shit happens in the playoffs and the leafs had the misfortune of playing a really good fucking Boston team the last couple of years, where they probably shouldn't be, but that's the format we have, and I'm not going to bitch about it. That's that you got to play the rules that you're dealt, right? Yeah, so, I
1: mean, it goes back to what I always used to say: like the better team will always win, and if you're not the better team, then you don't deserve to move on. It's yeah. just simply what it is, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not someone who's upset that they haven't been. I mean, I'm upset, but like. I understand why they haven't been out of the first round the first yeah. last three years. Because, my, my, you know. my
0: point, though, is at the end of the day, they should like mop the fucking ice with this Blue Jackets team. There is not a lot to love about the Blue Jackets when you look at where they were a year ago with the panarin bobrovsky Duchene situation, where everybody like left town. They've got some good defensemen. They've got a couple of forwards that you know are are worth a shake and that's about it their goaltending like let's be honest here like they had a good season a lot of that was just situational Uh, you know like Merz Lincolns is not going to put up the numbers he put up over a full season Corpusalo, he might but it's yet to be determined he's never done it he got hurt this was the year he was supposed to kind of take over and he couldn't do the job. So I don't I I don't love the idea that Columbus is a favorite in any you know sort of way when it comes to this matchup, but I know what team I cheer for. I know what they've done in years past and I know how they choke in certain situations. So When the Blue Jackets win in five in double overtime, I won't be surprised. But the Leafs should win this series handedly. Should. They probably won't.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, to your point, um, well, it's a little separate, but I, I would say on paper, strictly on paper, coaching aside, I take the Leafs forward group Far and away over the Blue Jackets forward group. Yep. I probably would take the Blue Jackets decor over the Leafs decor. Yeah, I would. Agree. And I would arguably take their goaltending over the Leafs goaltending. But the point I would make about their defense and the goaltending is the defense and the goaltending are completely reliant on their coaching system. So I would take those things if Sheldon Keefe were the coach, but I don't think I take them over the Leafs in that example over what Keefe's going to do with their group. So what I would say is I like the Leafs, or I like the Blue Jackets goaltending in the defense better than the Leafs goaltending and defense. But I like the Leafs forward group and their coaching better. And to me, those are the two things that are going to be a big difference because I think that the Leafs have the better coach. I think they have the better forwards. And uh, just for the, what the makeup of the roster is, is my point, right? So um, I will probably take, the Leafs. I'm gonna take the Leafs in five. And since it's the Leafs, I'm gonna be overly specific. Uh, huge game five from Mitch Marner, which you never hear from me because mm-hmm. I'm not his biggest supporter. But yeah, I think he's gonna. I think he's going to show up this playoff.
0: I take the Leafs in three. Cool.
1: That's pretty cool.
0: We talked about the Edmonton cool. thing about how the others have maybe a bit of an advantage over the Blackhawks because of playing at Edmonton. I think the Leafs will have the same factor. They get the first two games on their own bench in their own dressing room. I think it's going to be very homey for them. And I think when they go up 2-0 in the first two games, they'll find a way to close it out. And I can't wait to find out how wrong I am. Um,
1: My favorite part about all this is I'm taking in the exhibition game tonight. I'm taking the Habs over the Leafs for sure. Oh yeah, because everyone's no. got to have three days to panic. It, it'll it's be just too funny. It'll be like four one. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It'll be no, four. No. It'll, it'll be it'll be four one. But three of those goals gonna be in the first eight minutes, sure. and Freddie's gonna get yanked.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but like, like Dennis Malgin will tip in a, a oh, point shot. Dennis one Malgin. Goal. Yeah. Oh
1: man, the, is he playing? Oh, the God. top
0: four in the in the East. We got Boston, Tampa, Washington, Philly. That's how they rank. Uh, do you see any change in those uh, in that order uh, after the you know play-in exhibition round that they're doing their the round-robin thing for seeding?
1: Yeah, like this isn't even like I. It's not even just because I want it to happen. Like I am a little bit concerned because Boston has an older makeup to their roster that they're going to come back really flat. There is a lot in sports science to suggest that this break is going to be bad for older rosters, which is part of the reason why I feel like the Leafs are going to be okay. Should be okay for the Lightning. They're not spring chickens, but they're not super old. The Capitals could have maybe some issues out of the gate. Uh, Flyers should be fine. They're they're a fairly young team. But
0: like he he probably yeah. the X factor there if he has a bad couple games, whatever. Like who's
1: the oldest core player on the Flyers? Giroux. He's like 30, 31? It's not bad.
0: He's older than that, no? Is he? Like Thirty five, I thought. <laughs> God,
1: Giroux. Claude Giroux's not 35. Uh, he's 32. 32. Okay. So, yeah, fuck, that'd be crazy. Eh? He's on the verge of retirement already. But, yeah, like, I don't... I'm not too worried about the Flyers, because, I mean, like, their success doesn't even really depend on Giroux anymore. They've kind of moved on from him as being the yeah. essential piece. Right. Um, there could be a change. I, 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 think, I think a change is more likely in those four teams, because I'm not as sold on those four teams as being... Um, Like, I'm not sold on those four teams having a cakewalk when you talk against talk about playing against the play-in teams later, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think the Leafs, I think the Penguins, I think the Hurricanes and the Rangers, almost anyone in that East is a little bit tough of a matchup for those four teams because those teams are all better than most of the play-in teams in the East. Mm. So that's kind of my point there. Like, I, I could see that order changing... And I could see any of those teams losing in the first round. Right. Honestly, I'm not quite as sold on, especially the Lightning. I, I there's something about them. I think they might have a.
0: I was going to say I, I I think I would take the Lightning to come out on top in a in a quick little three game round robin. Uh, I think Boston's like you said the age factor could could fault them. I think Philly's close.
1: It's a good chance. There's a good chance the Bruins get going eventually. I'm not oh, saying right, that they're right. not going to win the cup like definitively, right. no. but I am saying I could see them having a minor heart attack out of the gate. I could see and, them,
0: yeah, exactly. Tripping and out, the, out of the gate, they lose even the going the down game like two
1: nothing or something yeah. in that first series, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. I I, I think tap is going to end up with the one seed out in the east is is kind of where I come down on it. Yeah, I, I guess that's it. I don't know if you have anything else to say about the playoffs, the uh, the first round. No, was... I mean
1: obviously we're going to do round by round anyway. Yeah. So we'll we'll preview the next round once we get there, which
0: uh... August tenth, I think, is the date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be I mean, that. our
1: next week's episode is pretty much going to be just us no, talking about
0: the August tenth is when Lafreniere finds out what team he's going to. So August eighth or ninth, we'll we'll know when the okay. the ups are are done at that point. Mm-hmm. So. We'll go from there yeah but it'll be fun it'll be interesting it's 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 august hockey we've never seen it we've never heard of it it is new it is strange speaking of strange uh quentin tarantino he's a director that is known for his his work in oh, well, i
1: came here tonight hmm. I feel not telling way. a very
0: clear story so for well if you're not feet. paying
1: attention anyway it's it's not very clear yeah, but
0: for for loving feet yeah for, for loving uh, feet you
1: know what it, it's funny when someone pointed that out i had never really noticed it before but there there are a few examples anyway it's not like as super prevalent as people make it out to be but yeah he definitely seems to the, like his feet
0: the, though there's the, a the inglorious bastard scene where like he has Hans Landa put the shoe, mm-hmm. you know, right there. You like, got Margaret Qualley with the feet on the yeah, dashboard in I, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Exactly. I get it, like, I but get like that's that's the thing. Like, I in, didn't want in, to
1: see Damie, Daisy Domergue's feet. I'll tell you in, that.
0: In Hollywood, it was like I, I knew about it by that point, and I I'd noticed it. But like in Glorious Bastards, I wasn't wasn't picking it out, and it, like it came up, and it was like, oh okay. And looking back on it. Oh, there it is. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I get it now. But. Like,
1: there's a few examples. It's not like it's in, like, sure. every movie. It's all
0: over the place. Yeah. But uh, Overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite this week is Quentin Tarantino Films. Mm-hmm. This, this is fucked. Like, how do you have a least favorite Quentin Tarantino film? Uh, I have one. Uh, but how do you have an overrated yeah, I mean, Quentin like, uh, Tarantino like, film? Like, that's that's why well, I have one. But, the, the difference yeah. is
1: like, like you know, when you say least favorite, it doesn't mean that it's like right. I, I don't like it
0: it's either. Just, like you know super. what I mean?
1: It's just like it's not. It's the movie. It's the movie of his that I've probably watched the least amount of time. He's right? got nine so.
0: films. He's always said that ten is going to be his his limit. So there's one, there's one to go theoretically. Uh, we'll see how uh, whether that uh, holds true or not. But we're going to work with the nine we have available to us and. Um, uh, the good
1: news is is that he, he has said he only wants to direct ten films. Sure. So he's he's supposed to continue writing, which oh. I prefer him as a writer over a director. Even though he is my favorite director, I just think his writing is genius. Because even like True Romance, he didn't direct it, and it's like, that movie's fucking killer, that's, right? Like He was fair. one of the writers on From Dusk Till Dawn. And like, even though I'm not, uh, you know, spoiler alert, that does turn into a vampire movie two thirds of the way through. I'm not a big vampire movie guy, but that movie's pretty kick ass too, right? Like, so yeah, I don't know, like, who's to say how many more works he'll be involved with? But
0: nice, not a boy. Ready when you are. You sir. never
1: did get your good drunk in, did no, you? I did not. <clears throat> um, overrated. I, I, I mean, like, here's the thing, right? Like, like I said, just because I'm. I'm saying something yeah, we know, sort well, you, of negative. You, you, like, you like them all, okay? <laughs> just, just, just bear with me here. Uh, my overrated Quentin Tarantino movie is is Django Unchained. I love it, and I have watched it arguably, probably as many times as any of his other movies. But it, when it first came out, was revealed re- re- reviewed as maybe his best movie. And I don't know if I would necessarily put it in the top three or four. And so, like, that's sort of my basis initially with it. But the more I watch it, I think a lot of the scenes have less watchability. The movie is less um, amazing conversation-based for a lot of it. And a lot of it is more of just a, almost a routine narrative movie. And so that's part of the problem, right? A lot of these movies hop around... And there's a lot of really cool scenes... A lot of cool shots and stuff like that... And within Django... I'm kind of just waiting for them to get to Candyland... And once it gets to Candyland... I'm like, this is fucking amazing... Like, I love every single minute of the movie... As soon as Leonardo DiCaprio's in it... And then it's until the end... But the first five hours... I'm I'm kinda just sitting there being like I just want them to get to Candyland kind of thing. So I I of course I really enjoy it. I love it. It's 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 probably in like my top thirty favorite movies or roughly around there, but like I don't I just don't think it's as good as people make it out to be. I mean like when it first came out everyone was like, Wow, it's first really good movie since Pulp Fiction and it's like Ah, Inglorious Bastards was better, I think. Still really good. They're still really close. But I I just don't think Django's quite as good as people think it
0: is. But it's really good. Okay. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Um, My overrated is Reservoir Dogs. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I do not agree at all, but that's fair. I love it. I can understand. I find every time I watch it again... I'm left with more questions. Like, I almost want to know... I almost need, like, a sequel. Where, like, I want to know more about these guys. Because they show up, it's a flash in the pan, they do their thing, and then the movie's over. But it's like... like I, I, I want to know so from. much more about yeah. that dynamic. I think, I think, had. if
1: he did Pulp Fiction as his lead-off film, and was able to do it the way he did it, at the length he was able to do it, he would have had more of an opportunity to make Reservoir Dogs a longer movie. Yeah. And I, re- it's a very rare case of a movie where I 100% am like, I wish this were longer.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know
1: what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, very rarely do I like, fuck, we needed more. Yeah. And it's not like, you're, you're like, I know what you're saying. It's not like there are plot holes left because it's too short or something like that. But it is more like I could do like 15, 20 more minutes of Michael Madsen. Because they talked about doing like a sequel where Michael, like Michael Madsen's Mr. Blonde, like as a prequel, prequel, I guess. And so there would be more of him. And it's just like, if we did like 20 more minutes of Reservoir Dogs though, we could have just like had that sequel within the movie and just not needed more.
0: Yeah, not even that. But like, I remember like, like Mr. Blue, there was the conversation for like the first 45 minutes about like, did Mr. Blue live or die? and we have to wait for a bit and then we find out he he died like you very could have easily just said like he lived he never came back to the house or the warehouse or whatever you want to call it and then have your own kind of spin off or sequel or prequel but just about Mr. Blue and like well what did he do after he escaped the bank robbery and like ah Eddie Bunker you know like I think there was a lot of potential with Reservoir Dogs I think it's a great film I think it gets really overrated in, the, in the, the 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 zeitgeist of what Tarantino films are though. So, sure. Yeah.
1: It's it's the one movie of his where you watch it and it is like visibly separate from the rest. Like sure. it's not quite yeah. the same sort of style. Not quite it's there. very much Tarantino-y, but you could tell he absolutely hit yeah. his stride as with Pulp Fiction and yeah. and never turned back, right? And it is one of those movies. Like again, it's his first movie, so like I understand right why yeah. he didn't want yeah. to like make a ton of waves either. But true, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Okay, I can understand that. I considered it, and then I thought more about Django, and I was like, nah, sure. that's probably overrated. But yeah, you could be right. Uh, my underrated, probably no shock here. It's Jackie Brown. Uh, I fucking. I think it's phenomenal there's a couple of his movies and i don't want to get too deep in i think it's better than that it really doesn't get recognized as being better than uh, a lot it's often talked to be his worst major motion picture i do not agree um
0: that, that's it, it's a tough one because it follows the pedigree that is pulp fiction right like it's so hard to go from pulp fiction sure. and then put up jackie brown and everyone's gonna compare the two right and I th- I think that's very unfair in the big picture.
1: Yeah, because they're incredibly different pictures exactly. for sure. They're not exactly. even they're not even comparable really. But
0: there was a time where he was talking about doing a, a Star Trek film, and and maybe he still will. But he always wanted to do a Star Trek film, and be like, you're going to compare uh, this Star Trek film that he did to Pulp Fiction. Well, why would you do that? Because they're they totally different yeah. works of art. Like it, it's insane to me to think that. People would do that for the simple fact of, here's one piece of work, here's another. Let's compare them. Yeah, which is, I guess, what we're doing. But I, you, you're, you I think, I think you nailed it in your underrated um, with Jackie Brown. Like I, I, I kind of almost answered with my own take, knowing that you were going to go Jackie Brown with your take because <clears throat> I think that's the right answer at the end of the day. I went Hateful Eight. Okay. I really loved Hateful Eight and whenever I hear someone talking about Tarantino films today, it's Pulp Fiction, it's Inglorious Bastards or it's and Unchained for the most part, right? Unless you're like a true cinema snob, those are the three films that you're going to kind of talk about when it comes to Tarantino.
1: Well, prior to last year anyway. Yes. Right. <laughs> true uh very true for sure uh, a new film has entered the conversation definitely sorry but But yes you're right
0: yeah hateful eight i felt kind of didn't get enough love i fucking love it the problem with hateful eight is unlike a lot of tarantino films there is not a lot of rewatchability you've seen it once you know what happens. You Mm -hmm. see it twice to try to pick out a few different things, great. The third time around, there really isn't a lot to keep you invested. Whereas, like, every time I watch Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs, like, I I pick up something different that I've never really noticed, eventually that will run dry. With Hateful Eight, it doesn't have that depth in the rewatchability, but I, I think going into the first or second viewing... It kills. It 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 hits every fucking stride. It had me guessing the first time till the very end. Uh, uh, a very interesting take on a whodunit type of uh, 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 storyline. I I probably won't watch it a ton moving forward, but I absolutely <coughs> loved the first two. Yes. Yeah.
1: My issue with it is is you you are right in everything you said. Uh, I agree with everything you said actually, but. The problem for me is, and what makes it not so watchable, is not even the the ending. What would make it more watchable, and my issue with it as a Tarantino fan, is uh, speaking from a dialogue perspective, it is for sure his weakest movie. Like, even the Kill Bills have more interesting dialogue scenes to me. So, my issue with it is just, like, every sort of conversation, once they get to... Uh, Mini's haberdashery it just feels forced and if there was a little bit more just interesting commentary rather than just like back and forth I think I would be a little bit more interested in the movie watching it over and over again I still rewatch it and I will tell you why because I'm going to compliment it for something else that you didn't mention until Once Upon a Time in Hollywood I think it was his best directed movie That is a masterpiece of just shot for shot for shot. Masterpiece. To the point where he's even said, this movie's going to be kind of like a horror movie at points. And those first five minutes, it's like shot as a horror movie, Ennio Morricone on the fucking soundtrack, and it's just like this creepy sort of like, holy fuck, like this movie's going to slap. And it it does the first time you watch it. And the more you watch it, it's kind of like, I don't know, these conversations are all just kind of boring, but... Yeah, um, I
0: I love a good whodunit, and sometimes me too.
1: oh, me too. That that I'm not a I want to guess who did it while it's happening. I just like to let it happen. But with Hateful Eight, I sat there and like probably thirty minutes into them being at minis when everything kind of hits the fan. I like I thought I knew how it ended. Couldn't have been more wrong. I forget what my theory was. I wasn't even close. Yeah, it was
0: awesome. That's the thing. Like, and and that's the problem with those types of films. Is as soon as you figure it out you really lose a lot of the, okay, I'm going to watch it again. I know what happens. I pick out a few things, but like, it's the same way. I can um, understand that.
1: I don't, I don't agree that way because I yeah. think if a movie is just well done all around, you'll still enjoy it. So there's other elements to like inside man where it's like, I know how that ends, but like there are other, there's conversation, interesting directing within it where I'm just like, yeah. I just love to rewatch it yeah. anyway. <laughs> And I, there, don't there get me comes, wrong, I like to rewatch hatefully. No, you're yeah. right. I mean, like, I've seen Knives out a bunch of times and, exactly. and like I know exactly out. how it ends and Knives I, out I don't is care one of like, the I'll, ones where, like I'll keep watching it. I don't in, give a fuck.
0: In my first viewing I figured it out and it almost ruined it for me. Yeah. So No
1: that that always hurts. When you figure it out, it cheapens mm-hmm. it cheapens it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, like, when you think of the way Knives Out ends, like, it's kind of hilarious if you didn't figure it out. Because it's, like, it actually was the most obvious answer, but... Because you know it was what I mean? the
0: most obvious, a lot of people ruled it out. You yeah, know, it, right? but
1: it was just, like, the way that it's, like, not how you think it happened. It's yeah. like,
0: okay, like, yeah, that makes sense, but... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, your favorite?
1: Oh, my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. I mean... Uh, it's funny, because, uh, my, my top three movies, two of them are Tarantino movies, it would be really tough for me to pick one, but I'm just gonna go recency bias, uh, I will pick Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, but it, I could easily say Pulp Fiction, I just think, uh, at this point, I've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood less times as Pulp Fiction, and I find Once Upon a Time in Hollywood much more interesting in some way it's just like it's it's the it's his best directed movie sure so for me i love the scenes when like brad pitt's driving the car and the music's playing and i just i love the way he used music in the movie it was not something i ever used to appreciate and as time's gone on i appreciate it more and more and i look go back to movies and appreciate the music they moved used and it's one of the best usages of music i've ever seen in a movie it's just incredible like uh, he he Nailed the fucking soundtrack, and he's always been good at that. But, um, yeah, I'll go Once Upon a Time in Hollywood over Pulp Fiction just because, uh, I've been beating the Pulp Fiction drum for years, and I would imagine everyone has seen it by now, so there's no need for me to keep telling people to fucking watch it.
0: So, it's Inglorious Passage for me. Cool. Uh, um, love the choice. Greatest f- opening scene to a film, yep, I think I've ever yes, seen it in is. my life. It's number one for me. Um, As a history buff, I, I couldn't help but laugh fucking out loud when they made the heel turn to like kill off Hitler, and all of a sudden it became this alt history. Because the whole time up it Mm -hmm. was like this maybe could have happened, and then they kill Hitler. It's like oh okay, like they're doing he's doing this yeah okay, and it's always had a special place in my heart. Since then, I will rewatch it without difficulty yeah time if it's on let's go like you've never seen it okay i'll watch it with you i don't care if i've seen it i think once it it might
1: be his most rewatchable movie to be honest with you maybe yeah because and this is why i love it it is his best movie in terms of dialogue the conversations and a lot of them are subtitled yeah but the conversations are just like so fucking interesting and so well done where it's just like this is a real conversation that happened right no it's not but they all feel real yeah and it's it's the it is maybe the only movie I've ever watched in my entire life where there is not a single scene where I'm like oh I'm watching a movie right now other than when Hitler gets shot but like the rest of it, just feels so natural and just like organic, and it's so cool that way. Yeah. And that was why Hateful Eight disappointed me, right? Was because Django has got some interesting conversation, not a ton, but it's a little bit of a different movie. And then you get to the Hateful Eight, and it's like this is going to be a, literally going to take place in one in one setting, and it's like, well, the conversation is going to be amazing, and it's like, oh, it wasn't. But like Inglorious yeah. Bastards is so good in terms of dialogue.
0: And it's, it's the one, like, aside from Once Upon a Time at Hollywood, which is obviously very new, to me it's, it's the one film where you can kind of look at it and say, I think I know what's going to happen. Like, Pulp Fiction is so all over the map in terms of its timeline, it's hard to keep, you know, keep straight. Um, Hateful Eight and Django Unchained are kind of too far back in the historic context to, like, really have an opinion on. You know this is gonna how this is you know but like Inglorious Bastards is a World War Two film like a lot of people know how World War Two goes like you can kind of go into that and say like oh I think I have an idea how this is gonna Kill Bill a totally different like original screenplay Jackie Brown same kind of thing like obviously an homage to the seventies but still like because it's Tarantino you yeah. don't know it's the one film where I think a lot of people want to do it and they the whole time they're going. Yes, this makes sense. This is how this is going to happen. This is how this is going to... And then the heel turn. Yeah.
1: And even the fact that he publicly said it's going to be an alternate history and you're looking at it and it's like, okay, but like, how does Hitler kill all of them? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how, how yeah. are they going to yeah. die though? Yeah. Like, they're going to get, they're going to die, like, trying to kill Hitler, right? Right. It's like, no, they're going to, they're going to kill him.
0: Fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> what? Okay. There we go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's one of those things, like if you want to kill a historical figure on screen, that's the one where no one's going to bite your ass for doing it, right? Yeah. Everyone's in the theater just cheering. It's like, ah, this is great. Kill him.
0: Uh, probably the hardest of the four, your least favorite. Oh, yeah, you said your favorite. Uh, no, my, my least favorite is Kill Bill Volume 2. Just, I don't
1: love the Kill Bills. I thought Volume 1 was better. Uh, I didn't like Death Proof when I saw it, but it came out in 2007 when I was, like, I would have been 14 when it came out, and I didn't get it. And now, watching it back, I get it more. Um, I get Kill Bill, it's just not my style of movie. I I honestly, I think it's super cool that Quentin Tarantino is, like, really interested in that style of, of cinema. And it, it's given us a lot of the great action scenes that we get in all these other movies. But the thing I love about him is great dialogue. Uh, I don't love the action. Like, uh, the action's cool. But, he, like, I love the way he does action because he can make an action movie, but it's not all action. But the Kill Bill's kind of all action, right? There's There's enough dialogue, but... I don't know, like I just, I didn't watch, uh, like I don't I don't have a lot of interest in martial arts, I don't have a lot of interest in, in Grindhouse mm-hmm. necessarily, um, samurais, shit like that. So, uh, it's just not for me. Even still, if I'm going to watch that style of movie, he's the only director I will watch it. I have no interest in that stuff at all. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I thought number one was better than two, and not by much, but yeah.
0: Uh, My least favorite is Pulp Fiction and here's why Uh, no Uh, my least favorite is the Kill Bills I actually thought
1: that was going to be your answer for a second. It's like, it's just confusing. It's yeah. like, well, then Google it. Like, I don't know it's all on the, the internet. It's all over the map. Fucking movie's 26 years old. Everything's online, James. But you he's can look alive this up. in one scene. He's
0: yeah. dead in the next scene. I don't, I don't, know I don't what's get. What's he walks
1: on. out of the bathroom and kills John Travolta, and John Travolta's alive later. I he's thought like, Bruce Willis and John were buddies,
0: but apparently they're not <laughs> buddies. So. And they never go
1: to Big uh, Kahuna yeah. Burger. They never actually never go there. paid
0: for drugs. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's the Kill Bill's. <laughs> Like, I pretty would much... Would you
1: prefer one over the other, or no? They're just kind of the same thing to you? To me, it's...
0: it's. I, I know they're two different movies. It's splitting hairs, but... It's it's one movie to me. I would probably take the first over the second, but it's... I don't... I, you
1: prefer Death Proof 2, then?
0: Death Proof is fine. Like, I, I would rather watch that than the Kill Bills. I get no enjoyment out of the Kill Bills. Like, the Kill Bills, to me, was just and I, I can understand where people don't agree with me but it was almost this cheap kind of way to capitalize on the success of Pulp Fiction You've, you bring back Uma Thurman, you bring back the yeah. little, oh here's the TV show I was, with I was that. in that she talks about in Pulp Fiction and then you bring it to life in a different movie and it's just, it was too on the nose in a way it's a fine film. Like I'm, I'm saying, it's my least favorite, but I'm, I'm still acknowledging. Like I, it's a it's a good film. It's well directed. It's a interesting enough story. It's just not for me. So at the end of the day, like I said, there's there's nine films to work with. These are the two that are at the bottom of the list. It just it's it's not what I I like about him. There's a lot of things I prefer. They can't all be winners, I guess. So
1: we considered um, two different directors for our overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite this week, uh, next week. Cohen brothers, you want to do it or what? Those are your guys. Well, well now we, can we just tease the audience. We, we did we my guy. To, let's do your guys next week. Let's do it. I mean, those are my. Those would be my number t- two or three guys for sure. sure but, yeah, let's
0: yeah. let's do it. We've we've we've. I would say, it, so. like it's it's
1: it's those would be your number one. You would say Cohen brothers.
0: It's very close. Yeah. Like, over
1: Tarantino would be the, the only 18, other guy 1B. the only other guy in the conversation I think I would put two over the Coen brothers is Soderbergh for me. But it's really it's also close. Soderbergh I mean, we're talk we're talking oceans. Oceans movies. Traffic. Uh he did Traffic. Um, the Informant. He did Logan Lucky recently. I'm missing a big care. one in there. I There's a big one in there. Logan like, Lucky, but that's I don't disagree. I don't agree with that, but uh,
0: Magic Mike. Oh, okay. Magic Mike. Yeah, sure. yeah, like yeah.
1: just a honestly just a unbelievable director. Oh, uh contagion. He did a contagion, which is relevant right now.
0: He he did, yes. Aaron <laughs> Brockovich. Yep.
1: Yeah. Good director.
0: For sure. But yeah.
1: Yeah. Um
0: Okay. That's laced up. This is a long one.
1: Holy that was laced up. Fuck. No, that's fine. Yeah, whatever it happens. It's, it was it's it was to be week. expected. A lot of
0: cracking news, a lot of fresh cracking information.
1: Yeah, and we were we were back in the same room for the first we're time, which is cracking cool.
0: our knuckles together for of, the first time. Of course, we
1: haven't seen each other since this all happened. No. I'm not going to have anything on uh, the north side in the next few days at least that you can go read now. I have had some stuff
0: on there. I will definitely not have anything on the north side in the next No, few days, you, but... you
1: definitely will not. I will probably have something by the time this next episode comes out, but uh, nothing for this one currently.
0: And, um, yeah, we apologize for uh, explaining to you why your favorite team is going to lose in four games to the other team. That yeah, gonna
1: like, that was my favorite part, is just none of the yeah. teams are going to win the Stanley no. Cup was my favorite part about this conversation. Exactly. So. yeah. Okay. Go wild. All right, okay.
0: goodbye. Bye.
1: You can fuck off and all! <laughs> been through. I've been downgraded! <laughs>
0: Just to somebody's switch now, wouldn't you?
1: he gonna make love on your satin sheets And wake up on your
0: living room floor He's a blast of the hardcore tribute
1: with